0: Welcome back to the Enriched Life podcast and uh, we're just here with our guests today and we're doing our very first spin-off episode and we're going to do our top 10 movies of all time and I'm here with Pastor Brad Thomas. Hello. He is the pastor at Avonhurst Pentecostal Assembly and he's actually my boss, technically speaking. So Brad, just share a little bit about yourself and share with us how you built your list.
1: Yeah, I'm... uh My name's Brad. As as Jordan said, I'm the pastor here at Avonhurst Pentecostal Assembly. Uh, Grew up on the West Coast. Uh, Was always one who loved pop culture and movies. Uh, I want to thank you for bringing me on this. This uh, Yeah, this will be fun. This will be fun. (laughs) I I I was thinking about uh, the honor it is to be asked. You have uh, episodes about worship. Yeah. about following Jesus, and he thought, like, you know what, my pastoral boss, I need to bring him on to talk about movies that don't matter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, they do matter. They, they do, do matter. matter. They do matter. <laughs>
1: um, so how I built my list, and, and you know, Jordan, you and I have spent far too many uh, hours wasted talking about movies. Um, I, I basically, I went a different direction, I think, than you did. Um I was I was tempted to kind of just go. What are the ten best films in my opinion of all time? What are the greatest films? How are what's are the, the best shot? The whatever. I, I kind of went a different direction. I kind of imagined if I was to be hit by a bus tomorrow and I had no more use of my limbs and I was in the hospital. <laughs> what ten movies would I say, yeah. Jamie? Bring those ten movies to me. And the other way I kind of looked at it too was. Um, What movies am I excited to show my children, and particularly my boys, because they will tend to like some of the same movies as me. And that's not a – it's just I've already noticed my daughter tends to like things that are a little different than me, but my boys like a lot of the same stuff. Okay. And so what are the movies that as they get old enough to watch these,
0: I am excited to say this is a movie you have to watch Mm. for these reasons? Awesome. So I – we're going to get to one or two of our runner-ups that didn't make it on list. Cause well, I don't know about you, but this was very hard. Like I even last night, I like, insanely threw my difficult. list out the window and I like rewrote it all down. And then I realized this morning I woke up early and I'm like, Oh, I forgot about this movie. And I'm like, yeah. Where, what, why is this not on my list? And so I think it's, I, th- I think it's hard. Like, obviously these are subjective lists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say the way I built my list was, uh, Eventually, when my kids are old enough, if they want to sit through these movies with me, I will show them these movies at least once because mm-hmm. I think they are – I think my list I tried to build – I tried to mix it pretty well, but I did try to build the pantheon of film. So – and I learned a couple of things about myself doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I learned that I appreciate Martin Scorsese more than I thought I did. Okay. And I also uh, oh, realized wow. that – I realized that I like the 60s to 80s a lot when it comes to film. <laughs> so, Which it's interesting. Which in some of our conversations
1: yeah. we've had I'm I'm a little surprised that's where you I know there's yeah. a lot of stuff there that you do like, but you're also one that that does talk a lot about newer movies and, yes. and your respect for them and you you almost talk about how they kind of tend to get a little underrated uh because of a movie like we talked about Psycho yes. and you like that movie gets overrated. Now I love that. You probably love that film too. I do. But yeah. um I would have thought of the two of us. I would have been the one that tended to lean more to the older movies, but it sounds like yeah, it'll be be it'll be (laughs) it'll be interesting.
0: So, anyways, (laughs) uh, I wanted to just do a disclaimer as well. So, uh, all these movies, especially my list, I don't know about Brad's, but these movies um, do come as recommendations. But please know that they are rated R, most of them. Uh, or 18a like most of my movies are 18a so there's going to be swearing in them there's going to be suggestive some suggestive scenes in them so please understand that these are all secular movies no movie on my list is a christian movie or christian made so just keep that in mind and uh, have an open mind as you listen to this but i i love film i appreciate film and i appreciate honest filmmaking so i like darker more brooding type stuff so Stuff that's really depressing for a lot of people. So just keep that in mind as we uh, do this list and as we do our list. So there, there is that disclaimer. But first, Brad, give me your – let's do two. Let's give two runner-ups that didn't make it on this oh. or honorable mentions.
1: Okay, hold on. I got to get through my notes here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> honorable – there's almost too many. Okay. Um, <laughs> like I literally have a thing of like 30 movies here. Um Two comedies that I had a hard time leaving off. I really love Steve Martin's The Jerk. Uh, That's one I couldn't include, but I really, really wanted to. And then Some Like It Hot, I also really, really love. Oh, yeah. Um, And then kind of in the horror suspense, I... I, I left Psycho and the Shining off of my list and both of those oh, are
0: I'm excited.
1: Good films. <laughs> um and and ones that if I were to if I were to put a list of my top ten the best movies ever made. Okay. Or top fifty. Yeah. I would assume both of those would probably and like another one, like Aliens didn't make my list and I yeah. love that film. Uh another one actually you know what was the hardest film for me to leave off? Oh, which is will be weird to you because I, okay. I don't think you appreciate it the same way I do. Terminator Two was really hard for me to leave off.
0: No, that's a tough one. It's yeah, I I because I rewatched a bunch of these movies okay. in the last two weeks since we knew we were doing this, and yeah. so I I think James Cameron is a funny animal. I think he's an excellent visionary director. I think he's more an engineer than a storyteller because his movies are very important because of the way they're shot and yeah. the effects that they like like we said before Titanic is I still think Titanic is his best movie which mm. might sound silly to some but what they achieved with both Titanic and Terminator 2 is unreal with the way in their time too oh. even with the abyss like building that huge oh, the abyss set is such a and fantastic like, it's film just like insane but mm. I don't love I think there's better films out there. Yeah, films, right? I, I
1: like. I don't think his. When you look at, at, for instance, dialogue. Yeah. And you compare him to to Spielberg or Scorsese or to. Um, any any number of guys he's not up there with that but he does push the envelope when it comes to visual sound that's why even a movie that that most people I don't think enjoy deeply to to rewatch with avatar uh, still yeah. when you when you look at it i mean that movie came out now a decade ago and still looks phenomenal some and of the best of environmental
0: much... cg ever like oh, the it's environments incredible. in that movie look unreal some of the avatar stuff looks a little hokey now but the environmental stuff is unprecedented. It's absolutely beautiful to watch.
1: It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, what about you? What did you leave off that
0: you were really so excited about? So my main, so my first honorable mention uh is Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, I absolutely love that movie. It's in my top 20 for sure. Probably would come in at 12 or 11, uh, but I could not fit it into my top 10. That movie, in my opinion, is the best action movie I would say ever. And I think it's oh. unreal. It's so good. It's just... One long chase, a car chase scene, and it's just the way they come. come part to mentalize the action and the way it kind of is orchestrated, like scene after scene after scene and It kind of builds and crescent crescendos at the end, and it builds on itself. It's almost like going to the symphony, I find, and it's such such a cathartic movie. I know you don't like that movie. I um, listen. But, I can
1: respect <laughs> what it is visually. Yeah. Uh, the idea that it's it. it um, it's kind of like duel and that it's this running away train of a yes. movie. Yeah. Uh, my problem is I still think part of what makes movie movie is having a hero to cheer for. and I okay. just don't like anyone in that world. And that's the yeah. thing that took me out of the movie again and again. And I love the other problem- I love
0: Furiosa Furiosa is, like, my jam in that movie, and she's awesome. Okay. And And, and see,
1: and that's just kind of how you interpret it. The other problem I had is I went and I saw it with my wife, who I could, when I looked over at her, and there's, like, the scene with this weird, like, baby creature thing, and I looked over at her at that exact moment, (laughs) and the look of disgust and horror and
0: why am I being forced to watch this, it kind of made me go, I don't know. (laughs) That's the one movie Heidi, Heidi and I do not like the same movies she likes that movie that's wild yeah so it's the one and i was shocked because when i saw the mother's milk stuff i was like oh my goodness like this is because heidi and i went to it kind of blind right and i I was just thinking heidi's gonna hate this movie but she loved it and it's i love that movie it is unreal action and the way it tells its story in such a subtle way it's just so good so anyways that's an honorable mention another one is children of men i couldn't fit it on my list i absolutely love that movie yeah um Probably if it was next week, it might be in my top 10, depending on the day. But that movie is just so well shot. One of the first times I experienced uh, a single take shot with the car chasing and then uh, someone getting killed in the car and the camera swoops around the car. It's just, it feels like you're there and the world it builds and the story it tells, it's just so important when it comes to, uh, it's even interesting, <laughs> Just politically, like a lot of the political statements it makes, it's very kind of neutral in a lot of them, and in some ways is extreme. And I like the way it approaches that. So that's a very important film, and very. I I was sad to leave it off my list, but See, that's that, funny to That me, didn't make it on my list. Like that um, wouldn't
1: even be in my top fifty. Not that it's a bad film. Yeah, it's in my all, top twenty. But that's just that's funny. To and
0: me. then the last one, sadly, an animated movie did not make it on my list. But the last one I would say would be *Beauty and the Beast*. Mm. Uh, that's that would probably be number eleven. It would probably. Be, be right before my top 10 and I just love beating the beast it's has in my opinion the best music in any of Disney's uh, movies Uh, that's probably personal taste Lion King has music that matches it but I just like the music and beating the beast a lot more and one of the first uses of CG in a hand drawn animation movie and in the ballroom scene and I, I just think it's a really simple story but I love I love Belle's character. Like She starts out wanting adventure and she doesn't want a relationship, but she finds out the greatest adventure in her life is... Falling in love with someone that she didn't even expect to fall in love with. So, I love that movie. It's it it just didn't crack my top ten. So. I love, that one didn't make
1: my top ten either, but it was high on my list as yeah. well. I think it's a, that's one of those movies that that is important to pop culturally because yes. it was a turning point for the Disney company and so much of what we have, not even an animation now, is because of the success that that movie yeah. had.
0: It, and it's a beautiful movie. It's just oh, it's uh, the colors and her dress being yellow. I just love it. So. That's an amazing movie, uh, and I love going to Disney just to hear that music. And I cannot wait to go to be our guest in July. I never, I haven't been there yet, so it'll be get fun. Get ready, buddy! Yeah. It's awesome. So, anyways, we're gonna get right into our list now. So, we're just what we're gonna do is uh, I'm just gonna give it to Brad. He's gonna tell me his top ten or is 10th, sorry. And then uh, we're going to start with 10. I'm going to do my 10. You're going to do your nine. I'm going to do my nine. And then we're just going to see where the conversation goes. And we'll just pull it back in because I know this is probably going to be a longer episode. So we're just going to pull it back in and drive it forward. But we do want to leave some room for debate and discussion. And we're going to see where we overlap with each other when it comes to where certain movies cross over, if they do, so that'll be interesting. So, uh, Brad, just tell me what your number ten is. This is the this is the only movie I'm embarrassed to have on my list. And like again, if I was to
1: attack this the way you attacked it, it forget it wouldn't make my top ten. It wouldn't make my top fifty. But yeah. the, the the fact of the matter is, I've watched this film dozens of times. I go back to it more than annually. I I. I I love Happy Gilmore. It's so stupid. Oh, wow. <laughs> <I> lo- <laughs> this is the only one I'm embarrassed is on this list, That's but awesome. I just, I, I, but, but I think there's something to be said about this film on, on a few levels. Uh, comedically, it's one of the only, it's the only movie I watch where I laugh from the, the moment it starts to the moment it ends. It almost doesn't take a breath. Uh, it is packed full of comedians who went on to be absolute superstars. Yeah. I maybe, maybe it has some of the best heat check moments for comedians in any film ever. Like Ben Stiller in the old folks home, uh, yeah. effectively using the, the older people as slave labor. I mean, it's horrible. <laughs> like, oh, what a horrible thing. So it's, funny. Though. It's such a funny concept. <laughs> and, uh, with the Mista Mista lady on the yeah. car, like, get me out of here. Um, so, uh, I mean, so, uh, unbelievable Carl Weathers, yeah. uh, maybe his best role, uh, then you have probably the best cameo of all time in any movie in Bob Barker fighting with
0: with uh, Adam Sandler. And that that scene is a that scene is a pop culture phenomenon now. Like that 100%. scene is it's like it's a scene that if people don't show their kids the whole movie they show their kids that scene on YouTube. Like totally. my brother-in-law did that with his son, right? So it's like that it's interesting that's on your list because that movie is like Adam Sandler in his top form when it comes to comedy, I would say. Oh,
1: I think if you were to say what was his apex mountain as far as him at the peak of his powers comedically, yeah. I think this is it. I don't yeah. think there's another movie funnier. Well, I mean, I like Billy Madison, I like uh, Wedding Singer, like Big Daddy, like there's a lot of other comedies he's done that I enjoy. Yeah, but nothing comes even close to this. Um, I. I uh, really, uh, like you got uh, Will Sasso, who's pretty fun. Kevin Nealon has this really funny uh, bit through the, that that famous line of uh, "Put the ball in its home," and, and he's just yes. so perfect in that <laughs> role. I I don't know, and 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 with the Bob Barker thing, I I can't think of if you were to reshoot a movie like that. Is there anyone pop culturally that would be that surprising to see suddenly get into a fist fight with a character? And I don't think you could do it. Uh, any yeah. and he had a pretty good right hook.
0: So <laughs> I, you probably would have to do like someone like Donald Trump or something like something as that crazy. But even then, people would just be mad. You know, yeah. when Bob Bar- when it was Bob Barker, it wasn't like people weren't mad or it was just hilarious because it's like that's Bob Barker, like, yeah, from the Price is Right. Well, it, it's like what the heck is he like? You almost had to do
1: a second take. Well, you did because oh, right? you'd never seen him in that role. He was no. always just the like, guy on this this thing when I'm sick from school. I, yes. I see him on TV yeah. and. Uh, and he's telling me to spade neuter my pets. And then he's beating up Adam Sandler. It's just awesome. Yeah, it's and so then good. you have, uh, you, you've, you've got uh, Carl Weathers with his great role. Uh, and then maybe the other uh, fantastic uh, Christopher McDonald as uh, Shooter McGavin, one mm. of the best film villains ever, and still keeps up his Twitter as Shooter McGavin to this day, uh, playing that role. And if you want to be entertained, go and jump on his
0: his Twitter. It's awesome. So that's awesome. So my number 10, this is actually really funny. uh, And I had a really hard time. (laughs) I just took something else off my list just before this. And I moved this one back onto it, but it is funny because it is an Adam Sandler movie. Okay. So my number 10 uh, is Punch Drunk Love. So it's a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. And I, I love it. I, uh, I actually had Barry Lyndon on my list in this spot and then I moved it down my list and then I took Barry Lyndon, which is a Stanley Kubrick movie, off my list and I put this one at number 10. And I like back on number 10. I love the simplicity of this movie. It's a very, it starts with Adam Sandler uh, with his character sitting at a desk at the very beginning and I've seen a lot of dissertations on this movie. A lot of people are saying it's, Kind of like the everyday man Superman movie. So, because his character just doesn't fit in the world, right? And it's mm. he's super awkward. He's wearing that blue suit. And then he's got all these sisters and his sisters. The movie does a good job of starting somewhere really small. And it kind of starts in his office, in his like warehouse. And then it slowly layers itself outwardly and then you see more and more of his world as the movie progresses and you start to learn his sisters are crazy. You start to learn, like you go to the family dinner that night, they all want him to go. And he finally comes to the dinner, he goes to the dinner and then he like punches and kicks the windows out. Right. Just randomly. And it's hilarious. It's like one of the funniest Sandler scenes, I would say it's, it's not as funny as the Bob Barker scene, but it's just like this (laughs) manic, the way it's filmed, it's filmed very manically. And there's lots of like weird little sounds and you, it just gets under your skin. And then it has moments where he just explodes out of anger. <laughs> yeah. And even the scene where he's on the date uh, and uh, on, on that first date, and he goes into the bathroom and he like wrecks the bathroom. Mm. And then the manager's like, sir, did you wreck the bathroom? And he's like, no. And he's like, totally lying. <laughs> and then he's <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah. like, so and it, like, he like destroyed the bathroom. Yeah. Right? So it was like, it's such a quirky little movie it's so simple it's got i love phil Seymour hoffman in it as the mattress man yes. it's just so and then his meeting with the mattress man and you think he's just gonna kick his butt but he ends up just telling him like i love this girl and i i want you to leave me alone and that's how he that's how it ends like that's yeah. how the conflict ends at the end it's yeah, yeah. amazing it's just so so quirky and so simple and then it ends almost Uh, With like this Technicolor kind of credit scene. And it's almost like very whimsical. Mm. And the whole movie just feels very escapist in that way. And it's probably Paul Thomas Anderson's. um, I mean, I would put The Master as a runner-up in this list. Uh, Like it didn't make it on my top 10. But his movies are very obtuse sometimes. And this movie is very clever. It's very simple Mm -hmm. compared to his other movies. But it has moments of that go deeper when you want it to go deeper. So I really liked it. It's it's a super quirky movie. I love quirky comedy. And that's, I think it still is a comedy. Uh, and Sandler is really funny in it. It's just not the same kind of humor he usually has done in the past yeah. before that movie. So, but I, 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 I think it's his best role. I think it's better than his role in Uncut Gems. I'd still think Punch Drunk Love is his best role that he's done uh, when it comes to serious acting. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I would say that's, his best performance I've seen yes. by him.
1: Yeah. Like that movie I have a hard time with because, it, like you said, it does get under your skin. Uh, it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. And uh, and I don't know. I And I'm not against movies like that. There's ones that that I have on my list that are a little bit uncomfortable, and that's kind of why I like them. This one always just didn't sit super well with me, yeah. even though I really respected uh, him in it. I'd forgotten about the Phyllis C- Seymour Hoffman. He's kind of like the secret sauce that you can throw in any
0: film. It's such a shame that well, he's especially not in a anymore. Paul, especially in a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Like, Paul Thomas Anderson uses him so, quite a bit like that, except for The Master. But, where but you don't more...
1: even... It's not even PTA movies. Like, you yeah. look at a movie like Doubt. Because yeah. I'm i not a big fan of... Um, oh, uh, who's the, the lady in that that wins all the Oscars? Sorry, my brain is... Is it Emily Watson? No, no, no. The, the one that's in everything. Um, she's a bit older. Um, she's... Uh, in Punch
0: Drunk Club or, doubt? or Meryl Streep Dope. Meryl Streep yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I don't usually like Meryl Streep now don't don't find me yeah. and kill me for that I think she's overrated um, yeah. but I love her in that movie and I was trying to figure out why and it's because of Philip Seymour Hoffman and his, yeah. his performance is so good in that same yes. thing a movie that's so stupid like Twister he's still the best part and makes that whole movie a million times better Twister
0: is fun that's Twister a fun is movie. Really
1: fun, but but uh, Punch Drunk Love, I can see why it's on your list. It's not my type of movie, but I love Adam Sandler. It's a very strange movie. It? It's and so weird.
0: It's pretty inaccessible still, but I think yeah. out of all of P.T. Anderson, P.T. Anderson's movies, it's his most accessible movie. So uh, you think it's his most accessible? I think so. Out of all, unless you want to watch a movie about the porn industry and *Boogie Nights*, but I, I think, I think, yeah, I think, I think a lot of his movies are pretty. He doesn't care about his audience very much, keeping up in his movies. And I think Punch See, yeah. Glove.
1: The, the the movie of his that I have on my list, which we'll get to in a second, um, I think is more accessible than it's given credit for. Oh, okay. But we'll, is we'll that your nine it. or no? It's actually my seven. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so, uh,
0: so Punch Dark Glove was my 10- Brad's was Happy Gilmore. (laughs) Two Adam Sandler movies. That was, yeah. I feel like there's something crazy. (laughs) eh? So
1: uh, what's your nine? Number nine for me, um, and still not one I would put in my top 10 if I was saying my greatest films, but my personal favorite, I have Shawshank Redemption. I love this film. I know it's not a perfect movie as far as how it's shot. There's some problems with it as far as uh, logically how does he actually escape from the prison. I think you've got the best Morgan Freeman performance in his entire career. Yep. I think you've got a uh, uh, very much the type of uh, performance that, that you then get kind of typecast with Tim Robbins, and he's fantastic in it. I love the fact that this is a movie that's effectively like six or seven short stories, yet it all feels like one cohesive thing. Yeah. And it's all about really two things, uh, uh, the power of friendship, um, but even more than that, the power of hope. Uh, this, this whole idea that if you take hope away from a person, what does it do to someone and flip that on its head, put someone in the worst of circumstances, uh, like a prison where there's abuse and all these awful things going on and uh, give them just any semblance of hope and, and how you can overcome so much adversity. I love this film. I saw it a million times because I guess Ted Turner bought the rights to it and played it on TNT every All every day. Like when I was um, sick
0: from, when I was sick from school and like grade school, it, it was always on, it was always on like T or what was that? It was like the peach tree it used to be called or even okay. before that, what was it called? I just
1: remember it being on Turner was, network constantly.
0: Yeah. It was always on. So I, was-
1: I love this movie. I think to me, it's the uh, like quintessential Morgan Freeman performance with the voice. I would agree with that. Yeah. And, uh, I just I just it's I think it in, in retrospect I think it's um, one of if not my favorite uh, uh,
0: Stephen King adaptations. Okay. I just really like it. I don't mind the ending either because the way the ending is shot like I love I love them I love everyone looking down and this is mild spoilers I guess, but I love everyone looking down the hole. Yeah and then the camera just slowly pulling back in the yeah. hole. It's just I love the way it's shot. It's such a great shot. It's such a great moment cuz you see those characters and they're just like they're confused or they're they're kind of like awestruck in a way cuz he's kind of like I kind of like that it's mysterious cuz it's Super almost mysterious. like a myth. It's like a prison yeah. myth, yeah. right? So I don't I don't love it when movies like explain everything. So I no. I like that. Well, like,
1: and that yeah. one what I like about it is the like even there's a scene where um where Andy is is scratching at his wall and you see it kind of come out a yes. little bit but what it yeah. looks like the first time you watch like now that we've watched it we kind of know where it's going but the first time you think oh he's just writing his name in the wall or he's just making a, a mark for how many days he's been there and then when the poster is ripped off and you see the hole and the head's looking through it it's, everything comes together in yeah. a moment and the other thing I love about yeah. this film is the last 45 minutes is just it's a sprint for 45 straight minutes where um, and it's not that you don't have slower moments. You do when Red gets out of prison and you kind of start to think that he's going to commit suicide like the the other fella yes. in prison with yep. him. Um, and that's just what the, that story, the way it's written, the way it's directed, um, it really plays very, very well. Uh, this idea of you don't totally know how it's going to end. And then the irony is it ends exactly the way you
0: would think it's supposed to. Yeah. And that's what I love about I it. I do think Frank Darabont is underrated. I think he's, I mean, he did The Mist, which... That has a gut wrench punch ending, mm-hmm. uh, and he did the first season of Walking Dead. And I think he one thing I really appreciate about Darabont is he can pull emotion out of stuff so well, and in such a genuine way. Yeah. Shawshank Redemption and The Green Mile are emotionally genuine movies. Yes, they like, are. They're just filled and with a lot of genuine emotion, and that's how you connect to their stories. And the reason
1: and, I put it in here for me is it's one of the few movies I rewatch that all oh, I always feel uplifted.
0: Yeah, I feel yep.
1: empowered after watching it, and I like that. I, I, I love that. It's interesting you mentioned Frank because this movie had a lot of problems. It did. Like it, like yeah. it bombed at the off- <laughs> the box office at first.
0: Um, it wasn't even critically. Uh, at it, the time, it, it wasn't really like it was not rotten or anything, but it wasn't really loved a whole lot.
1: It was just kind of ignored.
0: Yeah, it was. Until
1: the yeah. Oscars, it got a little bit of love and then afterwards, it started to get, it started to really ramp up and yeah. they did a
0: second release. Um, okay, so, uh, so your nine was Shawshank Redemption. What was yours? And my number nine, well, oh, I'm just going to look at it here, is 2001 A Space Odyssey, Stanley Kubrick film and uh, argue, actually the best science fiction movie ever made and it is... Uh, one that has influenced many movies such as Blade Runner, even Blade Runner 2049 is heavily influenced by the way it's shot uh, by this movie. And I I love this movie because of the – I love that the most relational character in the movie uh, is Hal, is the computer. And yeah. I think Kubrick makes very – unemotional movies because i think he's a very unemotional person and it's so i think it's really fast and it's even fascinating that the one movie he wrote that he tried to pull emotion out of was ai mm-hmm. the steven spielberg movie and it was about a robot becoming more human yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i always loved 2001 story-wise for that and how hal is the most human character in the movie the the creation of the creator the, you know the the computer that the humanity created it's mm-hmm. ironic right yes. that that is more human than than the human that created it so i i also think this movie is breathtaking i cannot believe it exists in 1968 i watch i still watch the movie and Some of the shots, some of the uh, even the rolling shots in the space station where it looks like he's walking on the wall and it's the floor and the use of camera, the use of imagery, even the star, uh, the stargazing sequence is just oh my goodness! Like it's just a beautiful movie. It looks uh, still holds up today, and I think this is a museum piece movie for film. So I think if anyone wants to study film or even look at how film is made or look at how you can intellectually tell a story through even moving images versus dialogue this is one one of the movies you should watch and Kubrick is always really good at imagery he's always good at cinematography and like telling the story through that Uh, and even though you know I think one of the reasons why it's controversial is because it's a very evolution based movie I don't agree with you know, obviously, I don't agree with that stance in sci- science, but I even love that beginning where it starts with the monkey and the ape and the monolith comes down and just the uh, the orchestral music is playing. It's just I don't know. It's just such a visually arresting movie. And so that's why it's my number nine.
1: So, yeah, yeah. And I think what separates this film apart from the, the visuals uh, is the score.
0: Uh, yeah, it's it's yeah. just
1: beautifully scored. Yeah. Um, you, it, it is one of those ones. It's a funny one to recommend to people because you have to really appreciate film because it, by by two thousand twenty standards, it uh, sci-fi standards, it feels painfully slow. Uh, so you do have to really appreciate what Kubrick is doing and what he's yeah. doing for for the year it came out.
0: And I some of my runner-ups that will probably my top would be in my top twenty that are that i would say were directly influenced by this movie the two movies i'm thinking of is blade runner 2049 yeah which that movie is incredible and it's way better than blade runner and i would say interstellar mm. interstellar interstellar way, it's it's kind of thick like the scene where yeah. where
1: he's kind of between dimensions
0: and stuff feels so
1: yeah 2001 a space yes Odyssey.
0: and like even well, they use paintings just like Uh, 2001 did so when they do their space sequences they have like a model ship on paintings and they use paintings for the black hole and Mm -hmm. they use so they actually use the same methods kubrick used and his team used for that film and it just looks it looks amazing it really does it's uh and i i had interstellar on my list and i love interstellar but i just can't have that movie on my list and not have 2001 2001 is just you watch the movie. I I still can't believe it's filmed in the sixties. I think you made the unreal. right. Yeah. I think you made the right choice. I I yeah. think uh,
1: Interstellar is very much kind of a rip on. on but now I'm not a big Interstellar fan. I'm I fine know. with it. Yeah. Um, but I think you made the right choice. Is this your? Is this your favorite Kubrick?
0: Put aside. I'm not going to w- answer that. Okay. Well, then, <laughs> <laughs> that answers that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but it is a seminal. If you have any interest in science fiction this is the bible science fiction
1: it, and yeah. if you have any interest in the history of movies yes like i'm not yeah. one that this one doesn't make my top 10 top 20 top 50 as far as favorite films yeah i respect i think it. a lot I of people it. are in your camp yeah because it's a but very I still feel like it's important to see if you love film
0: yeah and it's a very uh, i guess most, artsy. most of my movies on my <laughs> list are inaccessible yeah like <laughs> so, it's artsy so it's very uh it's very i would say inaccessible it's uh like I said, my list is more the pantheon, I would say. Like, yeah. that's how I approached it. And But when I watch it, I get emotion out of it. I get, but I think the average movie moviegoer necessarily would think this is absolutely, I'm, it's going nowhere. I'm not getting anything. Yeah. The, the, the reason I love Kubrick so much is he's he doesn't really care about his audience like Paul Thomas Anderson. Mm-hmm. He's just, if he wants to sit on a shot, if he wants to sit on a scene for 10 minutes, he will. Yeah. And he doesn't care, right? Yeah. So I think that's why – I like the patience of it. And even you and I were talking before when we were discussing The Godfather. When you rewatched it a few months ago, you were saying that, man, I really miss kind of like letting things breathe in movies. Yeah. And a lot of my movies have a lot of moments – on this list have a lot of moments that let you breathe. Well, because breathing now doesn't produce box office. No. You can't
1: have a Marvel movie where – Iron Man sits and kind of thinks about his life for five minutes. It's no. not gonna. It's not gonna pull people into seats. So, so. it's a, it's it's kind of a thing that's been lost. It has been. So, uh, anyways, what's your? Uh, number eight. This is my last one that I'm a little embarrassed to have on here. These, Well, seven to <laughs> one, I'm pretty confident about. Uh, number eight for me, and again, this is movies I love to watch, uh, M. Night Shyamalan Signs. I oh, love yeah. this film. Uh, I wouldn't even say, again, if I was saying what is his best work as far as just uh, from uh, shots and all that stuff, I wouldn't put this there. But for me, I love this movie. It's actually one of the the better Mel Gibson performances, maybe in his entire career. Uh, I, I don't put Braveheart up I would- there. I would I say that. I, I would, in fact, it probably is. Yeah. Like the, the scene in the basement where his son is is dying and he's talking with God and yeah. just expressing the rage, literally to the point of saying, I hate you. Not that that's a good thing to say, but understanding that or that real emotion of I don't understand, God, why you're allowing this to happen
0: into my lo- in my life. Yeah. Um, w- w- Sorry. That that whole (laughs) sequence at the end works so well because of his acting. Oh, and it's just, it's, and the sun and, and the the emotional uh, is just, and then the, and then it peaks in the yard and he's just screaming out to God. And it's just, Oh my goodness. It's, it is really good. It's, It's It's his best acting job. He's, It's his best performance.
1: And and then then that's paired with Joaquin Phoenix standing across from him in the basement and you can just see the horror on his face thinking he's going to lose his nephew. It's it's, it's a really powerful film, all about faith. That's what the whole movie is, is about. And I know now after seeing it many times, the CGI isn't as good. That does not hold up visually to
0: a... I think the way stage, they shoot Odyssey. it is smart. I think they... Up until
1: the final scene, which is a great scene when everything yeah. comes to... The way... It, it's kind of the last time to me that an M. Night movie came together well with all the hints that are happening to the movie where why is she leaving water all around? In clever Why, ways. Does, yeah. why yeah. does he have trouble breathing? And then why did she say swing... Why did his wife say swing away? Um, all of these things as as M. Night is kind of building this, this mural of yeah. the movie, the way it comes together in a way that's so clear I think it's the last time we had a twist from M. Night that really the payoff felt worthy. And having a movie about honesty and faith and and examining how God... Uh, can be in work, not only in the good of our lives, but also the negative of our lives. Mm. Um, I think it's a really powerful thing that most, I don't think Christian movies tackle that issue well. Well, Yet here's a a guy who I I think he's Sikh in his faith, actually uh, tackles the issue of pain and suffering and And God, faith, and and, uh, tackles it in a really powerful way. And uh, it, that movie still brings me to tears when I watch it, particularly the yeah, basement scene, and then when it all comes together. That,
0: I, that's one movie where the twist doesn't ruin the movie either. Like when you're really no, watch I think it, it, it's it, on a Hokie It elevates twist. it. Yeah, it really does, and it's just even the even I love the theme of not understanding God and His timing because mm-hmm. it's like why is she leaving water everywhere, and yeah. even the timing of His wife's death. And like I love that opening. I love the I love the the whole full circle way that movie shot with. It, it, him opening, coming out of his bathroom and you see the, where the cross used to be on the wall. Yeah. It's just, there's no talking and no. it's just visual. Oh, it's so and then visual. And it ends with him in his priest outfit with the cross on there. It's just. I mean, even, yeah, even the double play on
1: the word, on the word signs, the title. Yeah. You think going into it, it's about the signs of, of crop field, uh, crop circles. Yes. And really it's about the signs of, of God at work in your life when you don't, when you don't see it and don't feel it.
0: And I love, like, it came out during a time of, like, Independence Day and these movies that were huge, <laughs> massive alien invasion movies. Yeah. And then M. Night comes in and says, let's do an alien invasion movie from the perspective of one family. And, and, and yeah, let's shrink it. the world around yes, it. It's just uh, very uh, smart.
1: It, yeah. It, yeah it, the only things that, for me, haven't aged well, the CGI, particularly in the last scene, is a little rough. And um, M. Night's cameos are usually just brutal. <laughs> and it's brutal in this movie, just like it is there in There are
0: movie. some... Yeah, he's but like I even actor. love the cheese ball moments in it like there's some like the moment in the there's some really funny like you can when really... they run around the house and yeah and... <laughs> and like even when they pull up into town and they see the man that killed the wife and you don't and they're all staring at him in the shop and it's like I don't know see and I but, don't mind that because at that time we don't
1: know what he's done I know and yeah. that's why I, I like it. I like it again because of the way M Night
0: is is painting his mural. Yeah, and uh, and it's the last time M yeah. Night really did that. Well, did a movie and <laughs> did a think. movie where less is more when it comes to how scary things can be. Yeah, I think maybe The Village a little bit, but he gets too preachy in The Village. But I think Signs is one of those movies where like you don't even see any aliens ever. You see him like.
1: Once, Until the very last. Once day. at
0: the end, but like the scariest moments in the movie is you're, that that of you're news... hearing them. you yeah, 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 them The dog dies, and it's like bam. bam it's the first it's, time oh, you so you good.
1: see them is that news reel. They're in the, yes. they're in the closet watching it, yeah. and then there's the big ba bum, and all you see is kind of this green
0: figure. Just like. And It doesn't and run, it kind of
1: walks, it walks and, then it and, yeah. and just with the score hitting, and it's so, it's so blurred. It's, I, I mean, I was a kid when I first watched that, yeah. I must have been early teens or like around 12. I can't remember exactly the year, um, but whatever it was, I remember being genuinely frightened by that. Yep. I, I saw that
0: for the first time in a drive through movie. Oh, wow, <laughs> yeah, and I have to say, James Newton Howard is an. I love his uh, scores. Mm -hmm. I think he's very underrated. Yeah. And he did a lot of his earlier work. Yes. And so he did Sixth Sense, he did Unbreakable, he did. Science. And all three of the scores just in all three scores. of those movies yeah. are
1: fantastic. So, whenever, yeah. whenever, uh, when I was a youth pastor in Oklahoma, we would make up stupid, scary
0: movies and yeah. film them. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we basically just ripped off his scores. <laughs> and, this, and I remember as a teenager when I first watched Signs and when I, once I got on a DVD, yeah, um, Signs in the Village, I just watched the opening credits just for the music. Is that, the yeah. thing about,
1: if you love filming or even the idea of grabbing your your cell phone and making little dumb movies uh m night movies are actually really good to watch because they're really simple in how they're shot and you can
0: actually learn a little bit from them yeah i know i i agree and he grew up doing that that's where he was like tarantino where he did he never went to film school he kind of just started shooting movies as a kid so Mm. uh so that's interesting so my number eight is crouching tiger hidden dragon and it's (laughs) sorry for that sound go ahead go ahead you're a funny guy you're a funny guy I uh, I love this movie I think this is a movie by Ang Lee so I uh, I just I kind of forgot about it and I love Samurai movies Seven Samurais is a pivotal movie when it comes to this it actually influenced Star Wars it influenced all those filmmakers uh, that pulled a lot from the Seven Samurai and this movie is in my opinion one of the ultimate pinnacle when it comes to samurai movies when it comes to westernized samurai movies because it is still filmed in china it's still filmed on location and a lot and that's one thing i love about the movie actually is it's filmed on location Hmm. everywhere it goes so it's just a really beautiful really raw movie like it just the it's not beautiful because of its cg or because of its set dressing it's it's almost like lawrence of arabia in that way Hmm. it just uses its setting so well and i think it has an ending that is the same as Titanic, and I think the emotional payoff in the in Crunch, Tiger here and Dragon is much better more it's uh, much better executed in Crouch and Tiger than it is in Titanic and it's just such an emotional ending. and I just love the movie i um if you don't know much about it, like it's the the Samurai fighting. it's very floaty. It looks almost it's like. I love it because it's set in the real world, but then it builds this, like, lore around itself without even... It's almost like John Wick in that way. Like, mm. John Wick takes place in our worlds. But then it has, like, this really subtle, awesome lore to it. And Crutch and Tiger does that really well when it comes to this mystic... These mystic gangs that control certain parts of China and how they're going to cross each other in this Sword of Destiny, which is the Green Sword of Destiny, and how it influences... know this girl to become a renegade and it's just and 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 it's also about forbidden love as romeo romeo and juliet ties in the movie and it's about you know when is it okay to fall in love or is it you know is it you know love versus tradition in that sense is like a main theme in that movie so the main two characters don't fall in love out of respect for the dead right out of Mm -hmm. respect for someone who passed and it's their tradition that they can't fall in love with each other and they can't act on that love with each other because of the chinese tradition they live in but so that's the main tension of the movie and they want to love each other but they can't so it's and the, the payoff of that at the ending is just so it's one of the most romantic movies ever made and both in its imagery and its poetic nature and it's, uh, and it's love story at the center of it. So Damn. I love it. It's You so good. love that movie. I love it. It's a masterpiece. By the way, all the movies on my list, I would say are 10 out of 10s. Uh, and maybe punch our glove might be nine out of 10, but it's just, it's a masterpiece. Ang Lee's best movie by far, which isn't hard. Cause he's made a lot of crap since. And <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just captures – I didn't think it would be that high on my list or on my list at all. But I'm, I'm I re- shocked. But I rewatched it, and I just – I was really moved by it. I love it. I just I... – it's this, like, samurai epic that uh, I haven't really seen since. Hero is another samurai – it's another movie, a jetly movie that's really good, but it just doesn't have the emotional impact that Crouching Tiger had. I think Hero is just a beautiful movie. Like, if you want to watch beautiful shots – Go and watch Hero. It's like watching a painting, right? Yeah. But and but you've said you don't like the samurai movie. And, much, yeah, so as and you yeah. you argue it
1: unbelievably well. Um, I, I it's, it's interesting because I love the John Wick movies, which you could make an argument or well not oh, John argument. John they're Wick's amazing. they're yeah. very they're very influenced by the samurai genre. Yes. Um, but I don't, outside of the John Wick films, and I mean, you can kind of make an argument for certain elements of Star Wars. I don't tend to be a big fan of the samurai stuff. I, uh, like Kill Bill doesn't really move the needle for me, and I know it does a lot for you. Yeah. Um, it's not on
0: my top 10, but Kill Bill is just uh, unreal. So
1: so, so yeah. like for you, um, I don't know. I, I This is one of those movies that the artsiness of it made it unapproachable for me like for that oh, like okay. it really yeah. is like it's so artsy i don't find myself enjoying it yeah. i don't get the love story that you get clearly yeah i don't i can appreciate <laughs> that there must have been difficulty particularly in some of the shots when you see them flying around on trees and all it's really impressive i just never i just never I connected it, with it never connected with it no, on that's any fair level. Okay, so number seven for you. Number seven, uh, this is my artsiest movie, and it's my PTA movie that ended up on my list. I put uh, number seven, There Will Be Blood. Oh, nice. And I did a lot of of fighting on what I wanted to be in this spot because it kind of – I'm not one that when it comes to if I was to get my ten favorite movies – I, I don't want to spend a lot of time being depressed the whole way through all 10 of them. Uh, you seem like you'd be a lot more apt to do that. I, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> so this is my depressing movie. And I, I love it. It's my favorite. Uh, not, not, I'm not nearly the PTA fan that you are. I haven't seen all of his films. Um, this is my favorite by far. I think this is Daniel day Lewis's best performance. Yep. And I'm saying that... Gangs Absolutely. of New York is close. I love him in Gangs <laughs> of New York, and I really think, no matter what you think of the film, I love his performance in Lincoln. Like I, I yeah, he's he's yeah. incredible. Um, but his performance in There Will Be Blood is pitch perfect. So good. It, the whole yeah. movie, from the opening shot to the closing, is shot like a, a living nightmare. Yeah, a living nightmare,
0: and and just descending into darkness.
1: Into yeah, yeah. and this idea of of uh, just that drive to succeed, which is so good, if left unchecked, where it can take the human condition. Yeah. it's a it's a fascinating exploration because he effectively um, loses his son, gives up his son mm. in pursuit of really himself, and where does he end up? alone in a bowling alley having well, that, murdered uh, having murdered uh, a pastor. That en- that
0: ending <laughs> that ending in the house is just the way the house is lit it's just it looks so grand but it's just like dank and dark and it feels just so cold. Yeah. And, and the fluorescent lighting in the bowling alley it just feels artificial. And it's just that the way that movie ends in that setting is just pitch perfect. Yeah. And how it starts in the natural. It starts with him, you know, in the caverns, in, in the desert, yeah. out in the world and yeah. on this adventure. And it starts like a silent movie, right? There's mm-hmm. no talking for, I think, 12 minutes. It's, it's and one of it's the just most incredible openings, openings in ever. And it's just, uh, it's, and then it ends with him yelling. Mm-hmm. Right. So it starts in silence and it ends with him freaking out and yelling and yeah. killing this charismatic Pentecostal pastor. I also love the movie because it shows a very, it, it's a very ac- accurate representation of early Pentecostalism in the United States. And I think it's a, I think that dichot, I think it's, I think it's more a juxtaposition than the dichotomy. I think that's his foil. His foil is the pastor. And I think those two, it's, I almost think There Will Be Blood is kind of like a superhero movie in a, in a weird way too. Okay. It uses, <laughs> uses superhero that. tropes where it's like it is almost good versus evil in the, on, on the surface of like the church is good and this guy is like this evil capitalistic nightmare. But then everything kind of gets a little muddy when the pastor is left unchecked too, right? And, well, and he kind of goes off the rails too that, when it comes to the charismatic – Movement in his church. Oh, he and goes. So, but but here's the thing. I see. I
1: maybe I look at it a little different. I never get the the feeling that the pastor character is ever a good character. Okay. I don't think he yeah. just goes off the rails because he's uh, slowly slips into just being unchecked. I I think he is. He's kind of the representation of hyper religiosity. Yeah. Um, and whereas whereas uh, Daniel Day Lewis's character is is kind of the the embodiment of. And again, I'm, I'm not railing on capitalism or whatever, but no. this idea of really unmatched greed. And and he, I don't really think there's a hero in this. I think there is a hero. And the reason I'm actually able to relate to it is because of the son. The son is the hero of the movie who yes. effectively rejects both of these extremes yeah. and says, no, I reject in both, both systems. Of you, in both systems. Yeah. I'm, I'm not I, this hyper religiosity that isn't based on anything in truth. I'm rejecting that. This idea of. For the, for the purpose of my success, I'm going to run over anyone. I'm going to screw over anyone, even my family. I'm going to yes. reject. I reject that as well. Uh, both sides, I reject.
0: And uh, and he's kind of the hero of the movie. And the re- and the reason why Daniel Day-Lewis' role, his performance is so well done is because you see glimpses of – you see goodness in you him. You see glimpses right? of humanity. And you see glimpses of like there's small little moments, like even the moment around the fight or – before it goes dark around the fire or even the moment of him in the shop right Mm. before those men come in. Right. And he's with his son in the shop. And it's like, there's these really small little moments where you can see the dad in him. Right.
1: You can, but then it gets snuffed out. Exactly. And that's, that's kind of the power of the movie is how it's, Um, every one of those things you all, you even by, by the end of the movie, by the time he's rejected his son and murdered the pastor, you find yourself going, was any of it real? Was any of those human moments real? Because he seems like such a monster. Mm. And, uh, and again, just that, that personal study of, of, uh, if, if that drive left unchecked, if not balanced, the effect that can have on us, I think it's a really powerful picture. And then on top of it, the movie, just imagery wise, um, just the, the idea of there will be
0: blood and the oil and, and the connection to blood. And it's just,
1: oh, it's shot beautifully. and the, and the oil
0: is the lifeblood of that economy, that time period. And it's the lifeblood, right? So that's why it's just, so when he, and there's a scene where he gets covered in it. Right. And it's just like, and then you, and I think, I think the pastor, he throws the pastor in the oil, right? Yeah. And then at the end, he's covered in blood. (laughs) So it's excellent foreshadowing. And it's just, and it's, and I, I love the, I love how, his relationship with his son became hard when he was deaf right mm-hmm. so and the deafness was brought on because of his work yeah. right so it's like this vicious cycle of this is what you wanted and this is a byproduct this is like a consequence of yeah. something you wanted right and then at the end it's almost it is heartbreaking at the very end when he's sitting there with his son and he's trying to talk to him in the house and he can't he's not he can't communicate with his son you actually, and that's another moment where mm. you feel bad. Like, that's what I mean about the character. He's not just straight up evil, right? No. Um, he's got these moments where he's trying moments and then he, he just gives him. up. Yeah. And then he just reverts back. Oh, I have my house in my bowling alley, and then I'm gonna go murder someone. Right? Yeah, so which
1: it it's funny because I actually think there's probably more humanity in in the Plainsview character than there is in the Pastor character. There is, and and that's and that's why the ending too is so powerful. This idea of this hyper religiosity or or Christianity as a religion at its worst when it's not based on on Christ and His teachings, but effectively on his, this pastor. experience and tradition. And, well, and, or experience, and, and, I would say, and just effectively profiting. Off of, and he's yeah. also driven by his own desire for success in that yeah. realm. But how it ends up with him effectively uh, begging the guy with all the money,
0: uh, yes.
1: and that it leads to his death again, there's just so much to be delved there as far as what is this movie
0: talking about. And I, I, I think, really think the movie is about capitalism and religion and how they're tied together. I yeah. really do. And I, I yeah, as, a, as a, both those characters represent that side, yes. Yeah. Uh, so that is on my list at number five. Okay. Yeah. So ah. I, uh, yeah, I love that movie. It's so good. So what's your 7? So my number 7 is The Lighthouse by Robert Eggers. Haven't so, seen it. So oh my goodness. I just rewatched it last night. It solidified its spot on its list. It just came out last year in 2019. Uh it is I watched it with my tenant that lives with me in the basement mm-hmm. of our house, and I didn't think he would like it. I warned him about it. I said you need to watch a trailer. Because you really wanted to watch it, I said you need to watch a trailer before you watch it and yeah. make sure you know what you're getting into. It's shot in four by three. It's not widescreen shot. It's shot like, uh, actually, I don't think I think it's even smaller wide than four by three. It's shot in silent film format and it's shot all in black and white. Uh, so there's big bars on your TV when you're watching it on the side, and it just is claustrophobic. It is so odd. It is. I've never. This, so Robert Eggers is a Canadian filmmaker. He What else has he made? He's made The Witch. That's it. So he's made okay. two movies. They're both tied together. And The Witch was... Um, yeah. I thought it was amazing. I've was, never seen either of those. It's so. full of dread. It's very heavy. It's uh, But it's about the Puritan era and about this family that gets kicked out of this colony and then they get kicked out. And in that era, during the Great, great Awakening, they were idea? fearful of living outside the colony. Yeah, so yeah. that's where the movie plays off of itself. And it's about... It's ultimately about someone falling into Satan's trap. That's what the movie's about. Mm-hmm. And it's really dark. It's, it's a horror movie. Yeah. Um, but it's it's just so patient. So it's so amazing. Is this movie uh, so a the, horror movie? So The Lighthouse, I would, I would consider it a horror movie. But it is like screwball funny too. It's got a life to it that The Witch didn't have. The Witch was dreadful and eerie. And this movie, in the theater, I remember laughing out loud at certain par- parts of the movie because it's so bizarre. Willem Dafoe. This is Willem Dafoe's movie. This is the best role he's ever done. Hmm. And this movie was clearly written for him. And he is so bizarre in the movie. And I love his character. I've never seen... It's one of the most original characters I've seen on film. Uh, It reminds me kind of Mel Brooks' movie. Like, that's how off the wall it is. It almost... I saw one reviewer say that this is like a horror version of The Odd Couple. Like, it's just like... Interesting. These two guys stuck in this lighthouse, and then, like, they start to go mad, right? And that's yeah. what the movie is. And it's just so well done. It's so clever. The who, who's set, the other guy that's in it? Uh, Robert Pattinson. Yeah, how does he do? He's unreal in it. It's really? Just, it's, and the movie is kind of the antithesis to Adam and Eve. It is yeah, all yeah. about temptation. It's all about, like, this is Robert Eggers' version of Adam and Eve with these two guys stuck in the lighthouse. No and it's all about... Uh, it's all about what happens when, and I believe Robert Pattinson's character represents humanity and the te- and falling into temptation, mm-hmm. and then Willem Dafoe is Eve, I believe, and the almost almost like the temptress in a way, like she bit the apple first, yeah. and and he's looking at the light, the light in the lighthouse yeah, all the yeah. time, and he's like always telling uh, the other character that he's going insane when he's actually not, and it's just. It's, it's, it's also written in like pirate dialect. So it's written in uh, a sailor's dialect that would hap- that, that would be happening in the 1800s. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's written, written in old English and it's just like, I don't know. I watched it again last night. It's funny. It's eerie. It's utterly, I've never seen a movie like it. It's so original. I've honestly never seen a movie like it. And I think if anyone has any interest in film, or wants to watch something that you've never seen before, or even felt a certain like this movie made me feel ways I've never even felt before in a movie. Huh. It's just I don't know. I, I think I think it's the way it's shot because it just feels so tight and little because it's so such a small frame. So when they're in like the little house together and they start to go insane and they're, like everything's falling like the literally the sets falling apart around them and it just feels so. And they're yelling at each other in this pirate dialect, and Willem Dafoe has his crazy eyes and hair. And the way and it's shot in black and white. Yeah. So the textures of the black and white are just like the, the lighting, some of the best lighting I've seen in film, probably since Raging Bull or since even Ed Wood. Like uh the way the shadows are used to tell what's happening within the character, the way the candlelight hits Willem Dafoe's face and makes him look more like a villain. It's just Really textured, really interesting to watch, and I, I highly recommend this movie, and that's why it sits at my number uh, number seven. So interesting, I, 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 it looked interesting to me. Yeah. I,
1: all I've seen is the the uh, trailer for it. Yeah. and it it seemed weird, and it reminded me of the Clockwork
0: Oranges trailer. Um, yeah it does. Are, like it just yeah. feels
1: really like disjointed and and
0: And there's parts of the movie that feel like that, but it plays into what the movie's about, especially at the huh. end, right? There's actually continuity issues at the end. Yeah. But I realized on second watch there's like a part of the movie where something happens I won't tell you what and then and then clearly the story is talking about time, right? Mm. It's clear it's clear that time is even making them go mad, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's continuity issues at the end. And you feel like it's an error, but it's not because of the way they're perceiving time. Yeah, so yeah. So it's just really clever. Oh. Probably, it's clever in a way that it doesn't come... Like, Birdman and The Revenant knew it was pretentious and knew it was trying to be clever. This movie is just... It is what it is. And it, 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 take it or leave it. It's not... It doesn't think it's too clever for its own good. It you just the, is what it is. You right? thought
1: The Revenant was intentionally pretentious.
0: Well, I, <sighs> I... I really felt that way about Birdman. Revenant, I thought, was just... Revenant is better than Birdman. There are still some moments where the director is afraid that the audience will miss what his movie's about. Is oh, what I, I mean, what you're right? saying. Right? Gotcha. So it's like, this was foreshadowing, and it's, yeah, yeah. it's too on the nose, right? Okay. So that's also why I think Joker is not on my list, because Joker is, again, falls into that trap of this is what this movie's about. Whereas yeah. Robert Eggers does such a good job like Kubrick did and like Scorsese did his early work, even Tarantino of leaving it up to the viewer. Mm. Right. So, and I really, obviously by my list, you will tell that I like movies like that. Yeah. That are ambiguous and that right. are drawn out like that. So lighthouse. Hey, if you watch it, uh, it, you might hate it, but you've never seen anything like it. So there you go. Take it or leave it. Yeah. Um, We are on number six. So we just finished up with our number sevens, and Brad, what is your number six?
1: So I go from the more uh, not as well-known, There Will Be Blood. It tends to be just something movie lovers really love. It's not well-consumed. I go to the exact opposite end of the spectrum and the <laughs> overly-consumed. And really, uh, just speaking the exact opposite I just said and uh, regarding uh, samurai movies, my number six movie uh, the Wachowski Brothers Matrix oh my goodness it made your list it made my list okay uh, the more I thought well I know I went what is my favorite action movie of all time mm-hmm. this beat out Terminator 2 the beat out a lot of movies. Okay, um, and I, I I love watching this movie. I watch it a lot. First off, Keanu Reeves, he just will he he comfortably takes me through ninety minutes, and I'm happy at the end of it. I yeah. like him. He's not a particularly good actor. No. There's something about him I like. Uh, probably the best Lawrence Fish Fishburne, or yeah. Uh, probably my favorite
0: performance of his
1: as uh, i would say as, the only
0: movies that kind of match those two performances are the john wick movies <laughs> yeah it's true but, I, but yeah. he's better in this yeah, yeah i like i like
1: yeah. keanu reeves and john wick better than i like him as yeah as, as neo um but but him, but him as, Lawrence, morpheus is so as morpheus good. is just yeah. classic um Unbelievable action sequences, unbelievable special effects, mind blowing at the time. The stuff in those movies, for the most—well, not those movies. In the first movie, still holds <laughs> up. The CGI in the second and the third is ridiculous. It looks the stupidest stuff I've ever There's seen. There's just one There's scene a... in the second movie
0: I don't think holds up. I think the rest does. You mean the the the, the million Agent Smiths? Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, it's the dumbest. But the highway thing. scene is unreal. Oh, it's stupid.
1: Oh come it's, on! <laughs> I don't. I, I. I just. I. But it's not
0: better than the first one. The
1: first one is. You're right with the first one. No yeah. reason for them to have ever made sequels. Uh, I, I yeah. don't like anything that came. But the first one is so perfect. Uh, the the uh, idea of the reality we're in that there's more to this life that we don't understand. Yeah. Uh, I mean. I mean. There's so much. Um, just philosophically to dive into here. Uh, the the main reason I actually thought about leaving it off my list uh, was because it's just so overdone. Uh, I mean, the, the amount of parodies, the amount it's
0: still, 15 well, years later,
1: sits in, in pop culture kind of... Yes. Um, the psyche
0: is... it's It's an amazing film. To that movie's credit, though, that movie was the first time we started, like that movie spawned all of the parody and all oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. But um and that's
1: but that's for me why I almost didn't want to include it cuz it yeah. seems so cliche to include it but uh, it really is uh, as far as action movies it's the one i go back to the most i enjoy it it's uh, i love that it actually dives into things deeper than just shooting a gun yeah. uh, it asks real philosophical questions has a real interesting uh, messianic
0: message in it i love that film. It's really good, and I love the I love the idea that you're living in a computer construct, like yes. like a computer program, oh, totally. and being controlled by machines. It's yeah. just, it's kind of eerie, like that scene yeah. where it's revealed to him, and he gets pulled out, and then he's in that white room with the TV. I love that imagery. Yeah. It's just so good. It's it is really good, and the idea
1: yeah. that even within that, if you want to get out of it, it comes down to your choice: red pill, blue pill. What yeah. are you? Do you? Uh, but the fact that that living kind of in the system uh, ultimately leads to just death. Yeah, but. The other way is a lot of hard work. Well, and I love it
0: because it's it's almost like, hey, you can make this choice, but if you make if you take the right choice, if you do come out of the matrix, you will have this greater responsibility and more knowledge. Yeah. So the the theme of more knowledge will bring you more responsibility. Right? That, whereas so, in yeah. indifference is easy now but ultimately leads to yes. death. And
1: I, I love those. But things. is that
0: a way to live? And exactly. I love it. And it's just and the hotel lobby scene at the end, that whole sequence. From the lobby scene to on top the building to bullet time sequence, it's yeah. just well, so good. The thing yeah. that this movie does really good too is it in a you know in a,
1: a relatively short runtime uh, with characters that are coming in and out, and it's an action movie. Yeah. Uh, they do a really good job of introducing characters that you care about in a real way. So when when Mouse passes away, yep. you actually feel something about that. Absolutely. And yeah. uh, that's and the a tough crew? thing to do. And in that an action crew. Movie. Yeah. Like,
0: and, and and like you said, it's not a super long movie. I think it's. Just under two hours, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, like no. For,
1: in the world of, of big budget sci fi's, it's not a it's super like 110 long movie. Yeah, like hundred ten minutes. Yeah, like it's not just... that. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's not super long.
0: And it, every everything that movie is very deliberate, and yeah, it is the I mean, it's, this is not hard to say, but it's it their is best their movie. best movie, oh by yeah. far. And it's uh, well, I, would I would agree. Say v for Vendetta. Well, I do love that movie. That's a guilty pleasure of mine. <laughs> but I don't it, like it's, that. <laughs> yeah, I love that movie. It's So good. Hugo weaving, unreal. But uh, that's not even on my top 100, just so you all know. But it's, <laughs> it's a guilty pleasure of mine. But I love I love The Matrix, too. Yeah. Well, these movies are basically my guilty pleasure list. So there you go. That's like, Well, it's like I'm but actually – It's a good movie. It's a very good movie. I, I would put it right up there. I mean, I still like Mad Max Fury Road better. Mm. But I love the cyberpunk sci-fi-ish mm-hmm. nature. I love the – I love the scene, Agent Smith scene, where uh, he's making his mouth close. and, oh, and that's so interrogation creepy scene. and weird. Yeah, you know what's really interesting
1: good. about that film, too, is uh, when I don't know, remember when it was released, but it must have been around 2000. Um, I, I can't it's remember. 99, I thought. Oh, wow. So 99. we're talking 20 years yeah. ago. Um, when you look at that style at that time, um, things that were filmed in 1999 tend to look like they were filmed in 1999, 2000, 2001. Like there's a very distinct kind of dress people were in yeah and with what they did as far as how they dressed the the characters and actors it really makes that movie very timeless like if you go back and watch terminator one uh it's it's it feels really dated
0: well, it's quintessential, like, what, 80s, right? Yeah. So that, it looks like an 80s movie. But it doesn't yeah.
1: feel like like when Marvel goes back to the 80s and they're kind of doing a fun whatever of the 80s. It really just feels like... Like a golden era
0: of the 80s. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, whereas this feels timeless. And it's a pretty impressive yeah. thing they've done with the wardrobe.
0: Well, and it's, and it's because... Uh, it's also because, too, it doesn't take... I mean, it takes place in its own timeline, right? So yeah. they created... It actually does world building really well. Yeah, so it's 99. I was right. So uh, it does world building really well too. Like mm-hmm. just both the world inside and outside the Matrix. And I love that shot of all the columns of machines. Mm-hmm. And that's also why I love the Animatrix because it builds into that a lot more in different animation styles. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's a good pick. Uh, it's not on my list, but it is in my top 20 list. Mm-hmm. I love the Matrix. My number six is Jaws. Okay. So uh, Steven Spielberg, it is his, uh, it's his best movie he's ever made, I think. And uh, my other favorite Spielberg movie is, I was telling you before, is Munich. But I think Jaws is just, I rewatched it again. It is a masterpiece of a film. It's so, I love it because it's just, I love the story behind how they filmed it too. Yeah. (laughs) Because it was just like. It shouldn't have gotten made. It was way over budget. It was like Spielberg's first big movie. It was, I think he did Duel before. Yep. Right. So, that, and then, which,
1: by the way, if you're listening to this and you've never watched go Duel, watch, Duel. watch yeah. it right now. Do
0: yourself a favor. And it's just, again, again, like those movies are just so simple yeah. and so focused. Right. I think that's a good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. It's just focused. And it tells a really interesting story on like, Manhood and masculinity. Even that scene, it, the monologue scene, like on the boats, like what are we doing here? Questioning, kind of like questioning, even this mission, and then and then bring in some f- uh, philosophical aspect of you know what it means to be a man, hunting an animal, like that kind of aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Dreyfus's monologue. It's just, oh, it's or not Dreyfus no, uh, or yeah, uh, Robert, Shaw. Sh- uh, Robert Shaw's monologue because
1: Quint's character.
0: Yes, and he hated. And it's funny because no one got along acting in that movie. Like all those char- like all those actors, didn't get along. Yeah, and it was a really hard shoot. And that monologue is so dreadful. Like just talking about the war and talking about like the bodies in the water and that. Well, it's and that's so good. based yeah. on a true story.
1: It is that yeah. that the story he tells of um, slowly getting picked off by yes. sharks. That's a real thing yeah. that happened.
0: Yeah, and it's just it's so it's just. Uh, Yeah, it's so, and the the way it's, uh, I love, like, obviously you can tell, like, I love movies that take place in one set. Mm -hmm. And that movie takes place, I mean, it takes place in the town and on the beach at the beginning. And by the way, one of the best intros to any horror film with the beach scene at the beginning. and how it creates so much dread and so much uh, even with the girl dying in the, or the girl uh, getting sucked in the water at the very beginning alone. Yeah. And the water is all still when she goes under, like it's just really beautiful. And it's kind of eer- eerily beautiful. Cause you know that she just got ripped apart under the water and it's just, so it's really, really well done. And uh, if you don't know this, like uh, it went way over budget. Steven Spielberg thought he was getting get fired yeah. afterwards. Multiple times. And yeah, and they he put it together. They released it, and everyone was like blown away by how power, well, powerful it was. And
1: it was the, it was the first real blockbuster. It was. I mean, it changed yeah. it changed movie
0: making. Came before, out in the summer. Right? It
1: came out in the summer, and yeah. uh, it was the blockbuster before Star Wars that changed the game.
0: Yeah, and, it, and, and before that, for those of you who don't know, and I mean, I wasn't. We both weren't alive yet, but uh, uh, <laughs> we the summer was a doldrum. Like yeah. movies would miss the summer on purpose. Yeah. And that was the first movie that released in the summer. And they did that because they didn't want it to release around anything else because they were so worried about it losing all this money because yeah. they thought it was going to be a terrible movie. But it ended up being one of the best. It's Spielberg's best. It is terrifying. It's got one of the best scores. John Williams score is amazing. And Ever. it's... Uh, Again, and it has uh, that powerful acting moment of the monologue and even the dynamic between uh, Shaw's character and Dreyfus's character and how they don't get along and the friction. It's almost like a boiler pot of a movie and, or pressure cooker of a movie. And so is The Lighthouse, right? Yeah. That's kind of why I put them right beside each other because yeah. The Lighthouse pulls a lot from Jaws okay. and, and inspiration. So uh, I love Jaws. It's a great movie. It's my number six.
1: This is on my list, except it's number one. Wow. I, I adore yeah. this movie. It's my it is my favorite movie of all time. I, I love so everything about it. Um it every time spring turns to summer, I watch this film. Uh, it's it's my summertime movie. Yeah, uh, My mom introduced it to me and we <laughs> grew up watching that together probably about once a year. Um, and there's so much to say about it. Like, yeah. it's it's not, it, like all of the themes you talked about are so true. Uh, uh, man versus monster, man versus wild. There's also a lot, it has a lot to say about leadership. It has a lot to say yeah. about um, doing what's right when it's hard. You have this town whose economy is is based on people coming in over the summer months and the mayor not wanting to shut down. The beach down, even though they know uh, that 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 summertime s- boom, that shark is yeah. still out there, yeah. and uh, they the they choose not to shut the beach down, and then the mother ends up coming and slapping the, the yeah. chief Brody, and uh, and it really like I I think about that even in leadership with the church and things of that nature. How many times I find myself going, this is the easier thing to do, uh, but it's not the right thing to do. And, yep. and that's such a, it's a universal lesson that that movie teaches so well. I love that. The special effects for the time. Are so good. Almost there. They Again, still hold up. This, they hold up yeah. everything except the, the, the shark on the, when it's, when it's eating, um, when it's eating Shaw's care or is it Quint? Yeah, it's Quint. Quint, Quint uh, yeah. When it's eating him, it's a little rough. Although it's still one of the most horrifying things when blood comes out of I his mouth. I think it still works. I think it still works. works. It yeah. just looks a little fake.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, don't, I that that scene works because it's chaotic. They're shooting it, and it's like they're trying to get it off the boat. And there's blood all over the water. The blood really sells it. Right? The blood and sells it, in an and way. it's just uh, it's 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 really violent too. Like the shark's thrashing, right? And it's just. But I think the reason why that moment works so well too is because of uh, because of. The way the ship, the boat is getting Mm -hmm. destroyed and it's just, everything's falling apart and one bad thing after another and then they're stranded and it's, and it's them versus this vast ocean, right? Yes. Again, large, wide shots of just the ocean. Yeah. It's just like the beginning and it's um, these three little guys, (laughs) you know, stuck on the ocean. And I also love what the movie says about media because the media plays a large role in that movie and that actually... Is interesting that that movie came way ahead of its time when it comes to how the media influences politics and politicians and all that. So yep. it's... Yeah, it's a really good movie. It's really simple, and but all that stuff is layered in there, and that's what makes a great story, right? Yeah. And, and so...
1: and and it, it's... Uh... The the special effects, even the attention to detail regarding the special effects, like when when the opening sequence the woman's getting drowned. There's a a, a part where you her scream sounds muffled and weird. They actually did research on what would happen yes. if you were screaming while your stomach was being uh, and effectively what it slashed like. apart. What it yeah. would sound. I mean, they went to unbelievable lengths. And there's there's real horror in this movie, and that's what it, yes. it feels like. It's very bright, it's summery, and then you have Richard Dreyfuss uh, swimming underwater and. And a body suddenly pops out of the ship that he's, yes. he's looking. Like, it's just, there's real fear here. And it'll mess Mi- you mixed up. If with, you've never watched mixed it, with the paradise aspect. Yeah. Like, it's, and there's humor. The cage
0: scene at the end, too. Like, they actually went down and filmed a shark attacking a cage. Yep. And they actually did that. Yep. And so when you watch it, it's like, that looks really good. It's because it's actually being filmed. Yep. And yeah, and
1: It's funny. It's, it's also a real lesson for how how much CGI has kind of ruined special effects and realism in certain aspects, because so yeah. much of this movie looks so great in so many of the scenes because they didn't have to constantly show the shark because no. they were working without. And now because you could just CGI every monster yeah. you want, it, it really makes for lazier filmmaking and not nearly as scary. This movie. I think that's why, well, I brilliant. think that's
0: why I like this era of filmmaking so much because it, it was technical, technical activity. It was just coming out of color. Some people were still using technicolor, Yeah. and, and it just limited a lot of the filmmaking. And they had to think of these crazy ways to film this stuff, yeah. right? And it birthed Stan Winston. It birthed these people that made these amazing animatronics and put them in the water. Yeah. And they still worked, even mm-hmm. though it was kind of buggy, right? Yeah, and yeah. so I just think I think it holds up. I think it really works. An honorable mention that's on my list that I would put in here. I didn't know whether to put this one or that uh, this other movie in. It was Alien. I Mm -hmm. kept Alien off my list. It's my top 20 for sure. I I think I mentioned it's one
1: that I struggled with.
0: But Jaws is better than the Alien. But Alien is so good. And Alien does a lot of things Jaws did. Yeah. Alien's a great movie. The
1: the reason it's number one for me is on top of the fact that I love it. To me, it's perfect.
0: I think it's a better... I think it's got more emotional punch and it's a better story. Yeah. And I like the themes in Jaws more than Alien. Totally. Alien feels... Where Jaws feels like it's living and breathing, Alien feels kind of devoid of life. And that's Ridley Scott. He just doesn't know how to film characters very well. So, Uh, Okay, so now we're going to go to our top five. Yes. So we made it through five, or I guess four. So (laughs) what is your number five?
1: My number five is one that I think very few, if maybe none, other than you, uh, I would bet none of your listeners have probably ever watched it's the greatest comedy of all time and I don't say that lightly I believe this is the greatest comedy of all time Mel Brooks is young Frankenstein yeah it's really I, good <laughs> uh, it's it's fantastic uh I, I think it is a masterpiece it's a masterpiece in comedy slapstick comedy yep. play on word um uh, physical comedy uh everything about it it's it's you've got uh, Gene Wilder at his peak the yep. best version of Gene Wilder you'll see Marty Feldman is as uh, Igor or Igor, um, with his so uh, with his hump that keeps moving from one side of his back to the <laughs> other, um, like it's it's nonstop laughs. Uh, but then on top of it, it's brilliant filmmaking. It's shot entirely in black and white, uh, an homage to The Bride of Frankenstein. But what's amazing about it is it is it in and of itself became the quintessential Frankenstein movie. Okay. I think people think of Young Frankenstein before they think of Bride of Frankenstein, which is that.
0: crazy. Well, I think I think moviegoers or film. Especially film people will say that. No, absolutely. There, there hasn't really been a good Frankenstein movie but except the, for this movie.
1: But and to have some, but but Frankens, but the well Frankenstein's monster is uh, when you think of Universal horror yeah. monsters, you think of that. Like it's very yes. iconic. But the movie you think about is not *Bride of Frankenstein*. The movie you actually think about is young Frankenstein. Is young Frankenstein absolutely? And yeah. uh, it's uh, I don't even know how to describe all of it except it is Mel Brooks at his best. Parody at its best, um, and and then even how it's shot in the black and white. There are shots in it that are so beautiful
0: they don't feel like it should be no a comedy. Like it's just it's it, well, it is
1: a work of art. Well, I love. He's
0: kind of he's kind of like ripping. Well, not ripping on. Um, it's like a satire of old Hollywood, and he films totally. it like old Hollywood. Yeah. And the thing that makes it more than just satire is that he actually. It's one of the best old style, old Hollywood style films ever made. Like film wise, right? So he just knows exactly what he's doing and. A lot of the shots are very intentional. Gene Wilder is just a revelation in this Gene movie. Gene Wilder well, and then so you've got a Chloris Leachman
1: sighting yeah. in this, well not a sighting, she's yeah. the main character. Yeah. Probably the best performance of her career, which is incredible because yeah, her career is unreal. And, uh, and a lot of, what's funny is those of you listening to this probably have never, maybe have never watched this film, uh, there's a lot of pop culture sayings that come from yes. this movie. When someone says walk this way and then <laughs> pretends to walk a weird way, that joke is from this movie. Yes.
0: Um, yeah. I I I, I haven't I I want to rewatch it because you talked about it a few weeks ago I haven't rewatched it since uh, I don't love comedies so I don't have any comedies in my top ten but um, (laughs) I just that's who I am but I love (laughs) Mel Brooks and I would for me it would be hard I do agree with you I think Young Frankenstein is better than the producers. But I think I oh, like the producers a, more. Producers yeah. is a great. film. I love the producers, and again, two guys on one set most of the time, and it's just so funny. Gene Wilder is just so good, and uh, those yeah. two movies really demonstrate how good of a writer,
1: of a comedic writer, Mel Brooks was. Yes, because that. What's interesting about the producers is they made a remake of that that stars um, Matthew Broderick and, and Jeremy Lane, I think. Yes, and yeah. it all and it has a cameo from Will Ferrell. Um, as, I never saw As, it. as Springtime for Hitler. And uh, and what's funny about that remake is it's legitimately funny. Like it's not oh, it's a good. bad remake. Oh, okay. And they they kind of almost do a shot for shot remake. Like it's not that different, but it okay. speaks so well that. 30 years apart you could make effectively the same movie and yeah. it's still really funny I like love, he's so underrated i love that springtime springtime
0: spring for hitler is just so it's good so stupid <laughs> but it's so funny and that was and the... just the reaction after everyone watches it and it's just so good <laughs> like it's one of my that's one of my favorite one of my favorite moments in film it's just and young frankenstein has a few moments like that too and like you time kind of sliding side oh. to side and yeah it's oh. really good I, 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 and
1: uh when he stabs himself in the knee yes. trying to prove that he's uh, <laughs> that he's okay and but it
0: wouldn't hold. have worked honestly like Gene Wilder is so good like Yes. So just, this is he's so zany and he's so I If you
1: haven't him. really I, it's actually I would I a lot of people probably don't even know who he is anymore no. because those movies just aren't in...
0: Well, you know him from... You, uh, hopefully, you know him from the, the old Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That's you know, his, the his most known role. Yeah. But
1: his best role is in Young Frankenstein. Yes. And then he made, and then the other Mel
0: Brooks one is obviously Blazing Saddles. He was one of those actors, like a walking Phoenix, like Daniel Day-Lewis, anything he did was excellent. But
1: he almost always uh, was in... Uh, he was. was, he, was Brooks, he was a Mel Brooks. Guy. He was a, primarily in comedies, um, but yeah, he was really enjoyable to watch and easy to see on on screen and just very likable. And it's a uh,
0: that's uh, a good movie. I want to. I'm probably going to rewatch it this week or next oh, week. I haven't seen it in a long. You time. You won't be disappointed. Whenever I rewatch Mel Brooks, I just always remind myself of how much I do like him. Like Blazing Saddles is so good, and yeah. Uh, so my number five was There Will Be Blood and we talked about that so Paul Thomas Anderson good if you haven't seen that <laughs> stop listening go, go watch this, this. go watch it yeah it's so good um, it is dark and you'll be depressed so let's, after <laughs> I'm, I've, I'm uplifted watching watch that movie so <laughs> <laughs> I would not describe it as an uplifting film <laughs> uh, what not to do as a dad Anyways, so number four <laughs> 4 Your number four. This is where I think it's going to get very interesting. So
1: My number four um, might be surprising, but I still think this is a 10 out of 10 movie. It's one, again, I watch it every year. Um, it's my favorite Disney animated film of all time, Pinocchio. Uh, it's number four. Wow. I I'd, I'd love it. Wow. I'd, I'd love it. I love it. Rewatch it. That's watch, crazy. Watch the opening uh, sequence. It's uh, the most beautiful of art oh, you'll it's, ever see yeah. on. Uh, uh, it's very good. I, I just I, I love uh, the message of uh, uh, always let your conscience be your guide I think we don't see that anymore even the sequences like when he he goes to Pleasure Island and everyone gets really weirded out because oh yeah. they they smoke and and it turns them into donkeys yeah. but the message really is uh, when you give into peer pressure it turns you into a bit of a jackass. Like that's yes. really what the that's that's or, what the message of the whole movie is. Or this
0: is like this is Pleasure Island, but this is what happens when you delve into pleasure, right? Exactly. <laughs> and 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 just this idea that
1: following your conscience and doing what is right is what effectively leads to Pinocchio's humanity. Yeah. That's that's the whole message of the movie. And uh and so some of uh, some of the most beautiful music uh in all of Disney, some of the most iconic and visually I think it is visually the most stunning animated movie all time yeah it's really it's really pretty um so it's it's my favorite disney one i watch it all the time it's one of the two movies on this list that my kids are old enough to enjoy with me yeah and so maybe that puts it in a little bit higher of a light um for me it there were three animated movies that i was wrestling which which go in this and it was between toy story three uh this and beauty and the beast but this wins out
0: yeah, Pinocchio is very good, and it's uh, it's eerie too. Like it is eerie. It is Maybe that's creepy. part of why I like it. Well, I like those old Disney movies because it had, they had like real tension, like they're really thick tension. Even Dumbo, and even, uh, even well, and and the use of alcohol, like, even in the Jungle Book with the crazy elephants that are like high and drunk, like. Yeah. Disney did have a lot to say about alcoholism. About right? about substance abuse. Yes. 100%. And so, oh, well before its time. You're talking in the whatever it was 40s or
1: 50s yes. of this movie it yeah. I think their third movie they produced. Um yeah, I don't I just I I love this film and and there you're right there are darker themes. Pleasure Islands a very dark thing. Uh <laughs> the idea that he effectively gets tricked into slavery.
0: Yes. Uh <laughs> I mean, these are dark themes well even being a puppet right like someone's controlling you yeah right? so and then the idea of this is what it's going to have to take to not have someone control you anymore yeah. right so that whole theme of just being a puppet right it's very smart and then just the so, the fact when you wish upon a star the fact that
1: this is the theme song
0: one of the best songs of ever time. i would say I, I and just... when you go to disney parks i love going into the kiddie ride i guess that What's that section called? Like oh, By so the I Carousel? Know. Yeah. So by the carousel, and you just hear that song, you hear Peter Pan. It's just there's oh, nothing there's like fun. those songs.
1: There's nothing yeah. and and this uh this movie and an underappreciated movie in its time, it was a box office bomb. Uh but one that through the years I think is now looked at as I to me. By the, the way, a lot best.
0: of these movies were box office bombs. Like, yeah, I'm I'm looking yeah. through
1: mine, uh Young Frankenstein was, was actually a bit of a hit. Matrix was a huge hit. There will be blood was a bomb. Uh, Shawshank was a bomb. Happy Gilmore was a bomb. Yeah, and yours, I, think, I think all, think all my I think all <laughs> my
0: five my top fives, are definitely bombs. So Jaws wasn't. That was six.
1: Oh, that's my number one. That's why I said yeah. that. Oh, oh yeah, for you. My top three were all massive
0: hits. So my number four <laughs> yeah. is Martin Scorsese's best film he's ever made. It is Raging Bull.
1: I just leaned back in my chair waiting for that answer. <laughs> I didn't have a Scorsese movie, which feels weird because I yeah. do love most of his stuff. I would not put that as his best flick.
0: Okay, so what would you say is his best movie?
1: Hold on. Hold on.
0: Okay, so, th- so think about <laughs> that. A part it,
1: I, the Cameron Diaz performance in it in Gangs kills of New York. it, but I do love Game, Gangs of New York a yeah, lot. Yeah, that's really good. I find myself, I'd probably... Maybe I'm not as big of a of a fan of his as I I just I respect his stuff. Like I do love the department. By
0: by the way, like he is. I rewatched a lot of his movies over the last two weeks. He is one of my favorite directors of all time. I I don't mind that some of his movies are sloppy. I what I like about his movies is he just goes for certain shots and he just goes all in on especially his earlier work. Lots of character work with Mm. Taxi Driver, with Raging Bull, and. I would say Raging Bull is my favorite of his movies because mm. a he doesn't he doesn't like boxing. He never wanted to make a sports movie and he kind of made that's, fun of it. But well, De that's Niro did evident in it. <laughs> but De Niro came, well I disagree. De Niro okay. <laughs> when he when De Niro landed that role, then Scorsese saw the passion De Niro had for Jake LaMotta, who is a terrible person by the way. One of the worst characters of the 40s and yeah and to the 60s and this movie is just about i just love the it doesn't romanticize that time period but no, the way involved. it's shot it's just so like the movie's called raging bull and he is a raging bull yes he is uncontrollable and he's a womanizer he is an abuser to his to his wives. No one can control him and he's not going to let anyone anyone control him. But that's also why he was one of the best fighters of his time Mm. because he was just unrelenting, right? But even... I love the theme of how his personal life caught up with his professional life and in the end, he just let Sugar Ray just pound him, right? Because, like, just destroy him in that last fight because he was so defeated as a character and as Mm. a person that he... And that last the the boxing scenes in this movie are i think are so wonderfully shot and they're so yeah, yeah. like mm. the texture of the black and white the the smoke in the air and then like him just bringing the camera in the ring and the fights are so personal i think the fights are very personal i think the last movie that did this well was creed the creed movies bring the camera right into the into the ring really well and Raging Bull and Rocky kind of did that but Raging Bull does it in such a personal way and you just feel everything Jake LaMotta is Mm -hmm. feeling in those moments because it's just so raw and the the, just the different grays like the gray when the light hits the smoke versus the mat versus the crowd versus the light shining in like all the different layers of black and white it just is a beautiful movie and it's it's it shows us that bo- kind of boxing in its heyday, but in that time period, it was like a really violent sport that was really corrupt. So it also shows the corruption of this beautiful sport in that time period with the fixing of the matches and stuff. And and if you just want to watch, like if you thought Joker, if you thought recent movies like The Early Blood or Joker were excellent character pieces, this is That's one true. of the best character That's pieces true. ever filmed. And Robert De Niro is a revelation in this movie. This is his best performance, uh, in my opinion. And the movie starts with him old fighting in front of a mirror. And then it's a, it's like signs. It's an amazing full circle ending where it, you, you see his journey from young to old and how he just lost everything, right? Mm-hmm. He, he, he gained everything, but then he lost everything because he kind of missed the point. And then he got into a lot of trouble. And yeah. yeah, so it's it's a really good movie. It's very meticulously shot. And what I do like about, what I love about Scorsese Stacey is sometimes his editing is sloppy. Sometimes his movies are a little bit sloppy. But what I love about, especially Raging Bull, is he's like, he's an actor's director. Mm. He lets actors just... It's almost like theater. He just sets the camera down and lets them act. Yeah. in a room. Right? Yeah, and Raging Bull has a ton of moments like that. Yeah, Joe Pesci is excellent in it. Yeah, it's really yeah. good.
1: Pesci's good in it. De Niro's awesome in it. It's my favorite I... sports movie. Wow. Yeah. Really? I guess. See, it's so funny. I don't know why I don't love this movie more because it's cool. I. I just that's <laughs> that's probably it. I, I. I. As you can tell, those of you that are listening, I, I like to connect with my main character, and that's yeah. probably it. Um. But I. I but, I don't understand why I, I'm fine with There Will Be Blood and I was fine with Joker, but this one always felt so cold to me because they're very similar as far well, as the Well, there's like, there's is, woman
0: yeah. abuse in it. So yeah. there's the literal I, scenes of violence like it's, towards women it's, and there's, and he womanizes quite all the time in the movie. So he looks at his wife as the trophy. So he, there's a, there's a very and, interesting romance between him and Vicky in the movie. And, and Vicky's like this trophy wife and then she ends up hating him and- and, it's, and just, it's
1: been over a decade since yeah. I've seen this movie. Yeah. Um. And because I, when I saw it, I didn't particularly care for it. And uh, well, I respected it for what what it was. My issue with the boxing was always it, the realism of it. I like the chaos. It it feels chaotic. It does. And I yeah. like that. Um. I'm I I love the sport of boxing as far as as a fan. Yeah. I don't want to get in a fight. Um. But I've always appreciated it. And I I get frustrated when a movie, um pretends to be really realistic and then kind of isn't and that's my main problem with that movie, that movie. versus a movie like like rocky or like um creed that knows yeah. that well it's pretending it's also i think that's also dumb from i the think that movie is kick-off. mixing
0: both those styles together i think it is and that's what i don't like about okay. it. okay so i think yeah i think it's telling the true story with jake lamotta's yeah. personal life and then it's romanticizing the boxing yeah and i think it's doing that because Jake Lomata, that's a that, fair thing. Like, thought that was going to give him everything he ever he wanted, wanted, and yeah. it ended up giving him nothing
1: right so I just uh, maybe it's just because I'm such a big sports fan in general it's like yeah. when I watch Creed and in the, uh, in, the in, in Creed 2 they give the uh the betting odds for and the, the uh, ESPN and the real like, guys are on there and I'm just I, I, I looked over at my buddy who was sitting next to me I'm like that would never happen that would not be <laughs> the odds and that's that's kind of my problem with the boxing in Raging Bull because okay. it just doesn't feel like an actual fight and that to me like it yeah. doesn't feel like an actual scheduled boxing match I and, do love that uh... there's so much realism in that film that it takes me of the okay now i get what you're saying and, and maybe that's because i haven't seen it in 10 years and i didn't see well it i love through. the
0: vertical shot like the the hitchcock shot he shot he uses at the end yeah when his character realizes like he's just asking him he's asking sugar just to punch him right he's yeah. saying hit me hit me he's saying against the ropes and then the camera comes right down it's a wide shot lights behind sugar it's a pov of la Mata, yeah. and then it zooms, you know, the setting zooms out and the character zooms in. Yeah. And it's just that it's an epiphany moment, right? Yeah. So the movie isn't trying to be realistic. No. And and that's why I don't... But it just feels yeah. so
1: painfully real when we're outside of the ring. And uh, it, is. All, and it that's, is. And that's yeah. that was the, my that's disconnect. Also,
0: but that's also why, yeah, I love it. I love Scorsese because he captures yeah. periods so well. Yeah. There's one other director that does it better than him, and we're going to get to that later, but he just captures that... I feel like I'm in the 40s watching that movie. Yeah.
1: yeah. I th- I, in answer to your question, I think it's The Departed for me. Yeah. And it's a great movie. <laughs> I, well, I have major problems with it. Like, both Leo and uh, um, Nicholson's accents are just awful yeah the way yeah. They, and they go in one minute they have a really bad Boston accent and the next minute they're talking like Jack Nicholson and, and Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> um but like Mark Wahlberg is just hysterical uh um Alec, Alec Baldwin's, Baldwin's, Alec Baldwin's yeah. awesome yeah. Matt Damon is and 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 Leo and and him are awesome just their accents drive yeah. me nuts Um uh, but that's probably my Scorsese
0: is a he's a seminal director go and watch his movies except for Silence do yourself a favor. Don't watch Silence. But do you, all, do of his, you think, all of his other movies are excellent. See, really I, I
1: find, though, I do find myself thinking he's more overrated than underrated. I, there's no, I, I, don't, I don't agree. See, and like, yeah. for, that's why I don't, to me, I, I wasn't even tempted, really, to put, uh, I felt like I was supposed to put it one of his movies in my top 10, yeah. but I wasn't even tempted when I really looked at what do I like watching, because I don't have a movie of his that I just, like. I, but I've never felt highly about Goodfellas,
0: and I know yeah. that's like, his, and I love everyone Goodfellas. loves that one. Um, I, I, he's a character director, so he cares more about the the characters in his stories versus the technicality of his movies, which I, I agree do, with. I, I do, totally think I that's do true find of him. his earlier work is technically better than yeah. his later work. I think Taxi Driver is technically a masterpiece. I think Raging Bull is technically a masterpiece. Yeah. Like when it comes to filming and shots and putting the piece, I think can't comedy is technically a masterpiece. Like, I see
1: that with him. Yeah. Like I see that he is really good at, as a character director, as getting the best out of his actor, yes. acting, yeah. actors acting um, actors. But I, I honestly feel like there are other directors who are just as talented than that, but make better movies. So that's okay. score. That's um, not, score, that's uh, um, Tarantino. That's PTA. Okay. That's uh, uh, that's um, Francis Ford Coppola. Like there's, there's guys that I think mm. do, Character Do that studies better? and let their actors breathe, mm. and but still make far more competent films. And every there, That's I've right. never seen a movie of his that I couldn't have edited 40 minutes out and made a better picture. I feel like, and I'm not saying yeah. I couldn't have made a better picture, but I feel like you could cut 30 to 40 minutes from almost every
0: one of his movies, and they would be better, more cohesive character studies and i think the greatest example of that is the irishman now oh. that movie could have been another half hour i would have been happy no so no I'm, that movie needs to lose an hour and a half i'm just the type of person where <laughs> i couldn't get enough of pesci in that movie i couldn't I like i that. just Pesci's loved great. Pesci's great. but i like i mean i grew up watching raging bull i grew up watching like i like and putting it was so smart to cast pesci and de niro together one last time together as like those cohorts, but did that it, movie but did It's just it feel so good? like it was great. To, like, why did it feel great to
1: cast those two members? Because here's how I feel: this is why I have a problem with the movie. It feels <laughs> like going and buying like a boy band's greatest hits album. Like, yeah, I like De Niro, I, I think, and I like I think, Al Pacino, I think and I like—I w- think it worked. I think it worked. I just yeah. felt like it was a bunch of old guys getting together to, to you know what. Shoot the breeze one last time. Let's but I, that thing. I loved it. Let's, I let's go on a road trip again like we used to. But it's everything running. Like just, it's ah. everything
0: I loved. It was almost like Guilty Pleasure Scorsese because he's really good. Like and it was. Like, it is Guilty Pleasure Scorsese. Like Coppola, but... he's really good at capturing broad moments. Even like the scene in the theater in that, like that yeah, whole yeah. theater sequence. You just feel like you're in that theater with those mobsters, right? And so I just, his movies are just really cathartic in that way. And that's why I really like Scorsese. And he, he, he goes for that more than editing yeah. or more than, and that movie actually, the Irishman has the best editing in any of his movies. It is
1: a four hour movie, but it has the best
0: editing in any of his movies. Some I of the got, best cuts, I, some of the best, that, that bat, movie to me, I like, I, I
1: didn't just like went <laughs> on it. I didn't like it. Like I yeah, did not I know you like, didn't like it. And I liked, I, loved I it. like <laughs> Pesci in it. And I actually really liked Ray Romano. In yeah. it too. There I right. just really like Scorsese. I really do. I, uh, I've realized the, yeah. as, when I'm doing this, I respect Scorsese. I actually don't really like most of his movies. And that's fair. <laughs> Which I didn't actually think. And then it's like, I, I thought I was supposed and then to. I rewatch, and then I rewatch a bunch of them and yeah. I'm just
0: like, oh, like, why don't they make movies like this anymore?
1: <laughs> some of it, some of it's, great. Departed's my favorite, I think. But
0: anyways. Okay. So this is it. This is the top three, top three you already know movies of all time. <laughs> And but we'll let you talk about it. And cuz you kind of talked about it already, but we'll let you just rant about it when we get to number 1. Yeah. yeah but well, number 3 for you, Brad, is
1: Empire Strikes Back. Star oh Wars.
0: man. Um I I it's a good I, one.
1: I don't even know what to say. It's the best Star Wars movie. I know it's cliché to say it's the best Star Wars movie, but the one reason is it's, it's cliché to say that yep. is it's the best. It's the best written, ironically enough, yep. not written by George Lucas. No. And uh best character development. Uh, the fact that throughout the entire run of it, it's always it's a movie about self-discovery. Yep. Who am I as a Jedi? Who who is my father? What are my feelings for you, Leia or Han? Like from one to another, it's it's this this constant set of these characters that we like discovering who they are and who these other people they care about are, and that even yep. goes to Darth Vader. Well, even
0: the twist of Yoda, right? He was yeah different when we first met him, and then he was the Master Yoda, right? So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's really good.
1: It's, it's funny watching this back now because when we first meet Yoda, we think he's this entirely competent, wonderful Jedi master. And, then, and now we get to go back and watch the prequels where we find out he's a completely incompetent, horrible leader. But um, it kind of changes how you feel about this movie. Um, I, I think um, the shots on Hoth are some yeah, of the greatest so, shots yeah. in all of movie making. Yep. Uh, the ATA, the walkers, um, the sense of dread as as they're getting ready, trying to leave the planet. Are they going to get away? Such a brilliant opening sequence. Um, the way we are made to i think i think this movie ironically enough well it's 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 the darth vader it's the luke it's the i am your father it's really han solo's movie and we're made this character that well we kind of like him as the bad boy in episode four in this movie um we connect with him on kind of an emotional level where he's caring for his friends but he's still kind of that quick-witted uh sharp writing sharp response um and here's the thing about like the the group of actors in this movie aren't particularly like Harrison Ford. They're is probably, all
0: they're all pretty no name at this point. They they were big because of the first Star Wars. So and I think Harrison landed Indiana Jones in between the movies, didn't he?
1: Yeah, but yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't look at any of the the leading actors in this film as people I go boy isn't that a great actor and other things no. they've done other than Harrison Ford, which is more Harrison Ford was just a movie star. And he had the movie star looks and the movie star started. charisma yeah. and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, and now that's not to say he's a bad actor, but he's not a brilliant. And and uh, uh, Hamill's fine; he's a great uh, voice actor, but he's not a brilliant actor. No. The, what the what the dialogue is able to get and, and the back and forth between these people, this is is pretty much all of their best performances are in this movie. I would say
0: that even uh, uh, oh, what's his name plays Lando.
1: Oh, um, oh, oh, Billy Dee. Billy, Billy yeah, Williams. Billy Dee. Like yeah. I, I, yeah. it's
0: it's it's one of his best, if not his best performance. Um, and that 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 dinner scene in the Cloud City with Darth Vader sitting at the end of of oh, the table. When he so blocks the, yeah, the the laser so shots, takes it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's And this is the movie that George Lucas pulls them, pulls the most from the seventh samurai, because I love that lightsaber battle at the end in the carbonate area with like the orange steps and the blue background with the red and blue lightsaber. Like it mixes the samurai genre with the science fiction flavor. And it just looks so good. Oh. It's one of the best duels in all of film, mm-hmm. I would say, uh, this was a movie that I was really sad to not have on my list. I'm shocked it's not actually. It, but it was on it. It was off it. It was on it. It was off it. I just, uh, I just think the movies that are on my list are better films. See, uh, and I
1: don't know. Yeah. And and my but thing, I, and I'm not and what, and, and it's I, an I, argument I, worth having. I think this is a
0: perfect movie. I, I there's nothing to change about it. I still think it's a ten out of ten. Uh, I just think these are. I just think they're just better i i don't know if it's the style i don't know what it is but i just
1: like like and and, and yeah with this movie uh, it's now a cliche but i think we forget how powerful the i am your father moment was oh it still is when you don't well now it's just the emotion of of luke's reaction to that yeah um but because we all know that fact it's not the same thing for the when you see this for the very first time and if you have no knowledge of it it's mind-blowing and for the year it came out, which was, what, 79 or 80 or whatever it was, right, it was right it, around the... 80, I think. I think 80. Yeah. Um, th- this was was culture shifting. Like, like pop culture oh, yeah. shifted on its axis because of this reveal. Uh, so, I don't know. Uh, special effects that still hold up. Well, writing that was still sharp. Uh, characters that are all memorable and lovable. It's my third favorite movie
0: of all time. <sighs> that probably should be on my list, but... Next week it will be. Well, what was your number that, three? That movie's so freaking it's good. It's awesome. Star Wars is just, Empire is the best Star Wars film ever made. And it it's, is. It's a masterpiece. It's, it's just great. It's so good. Oh, uh, man. Well, my number three is Pulp Fiction. And I love Quentin Tarantino. I know you don't like this movie. I don't like this movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I so respect it. This is just. I respect it. I just love Tarantino. I think him and Kubrick are my favorite directors of all time. And he, if there's one, I I picked, there's so much to pick from. I love Kill Bill. Like volume two, Kill Bill is just the reason why I love samurai movies. It's the reason why I love superhero genre. It's, it's uh, you have Inglorious Bastards with, with the best opening dialogue scene of all time. The, you have it's uh, it's one of the strongest 20 minute runs, of it's amazing. With seen. and Christoph Waltz is a revelation of that scene, oh, so and you have uh, even the Hateful Eights with the smashing of the antique guitar and like. I just love the the pressure cooker that movie is with dialogue. Like, Quentin Tarantino, I compare him to Shakespeare quite a bit because yeah. he's a master of dialogue and language. Mm-hmm. And he's a master of the F word. He's a master of using foul language to a certain... Uh, degree of like he's very intentional with totally. his language right yeah
1: with his yeah. writing he tries to ev- evoke a response from the and it's
0: he's very different than paul thomas anderson yes
1: in the fact that or even scorsese that he really is trying to pull something out of his audience yes and i he's i would say i would
0: say like aaron sorkin's kind of the layman's version of tarantino because okay. aaron sorkin tries to write whippy dialogue all the time I mean, sometimes he's really good at it like social network is a really well written film, and it's I awesome. love the whippy dialogue that in that almost, movie.
1: That almost made my list, but
0: same. But Tarantino, I think, is just a mat. Like I could just sit with two Tarantino characters with Tarantino dialogue sitting in a room. I could sit and watch a whole movie where they're just talking back and forth. It's just he, the way he creates energy in his movies. And Pulp Fiction, I picked that movie because it's so non linear, and it's like the. I think it's still the freshest Tarantino movie uh of all time like i think it's uh, how do i explain it well it's his I, sixth
1: sense in the, in well, the think, sense that people weren't used to his thing yet
0: and i but he hasn't made a movie that non-linear since you know what i mean like it's so no. it almost exists like the way it's put together it's and it's got one of the best MacGuffins of all time with the suitcase mm. and you never know what's in it right yeah. and it's got the best and then with the shot behind Uh, Marcellus Wallace's head with the band-aid so people think that his soul is in the briefcase and it came out of the hole in the back of his like it's just unreal right but it's it's just so mysterious it's got it almost feels like a crime gangster version of Alice in Wonderland where Mm, you have like the random gimp scene and it's just like what like it all of a sudden, you're going across. You're uh, you're driving on the street. You hit someone, and then you're in the, this gimp scene that looks like it's from from Hostel, right? Yeah. And it's just like so. It feels like an Alice in Wonderland crime fairy tale movie. And I love Bruce Willis in it, and it, it's perfectly cast. Uma, Uma Thurman, John Travolta play well off each other so well, and they. Uh, I also love the overdose scene. It's just. <laughs> It's just pulpy. It's raw. It's it's. There's nothing like it. It's got like this nervous energy about it too, and it's almost like a celebration of everything Tarantino loves when it comes to film. Just with the dance off between Travolta and Thurman, and uh, and I also love the you don't you don't find that stuff, stuff campy at all. I do. And I love it. So it's purposely campy. I think, I think Tarantino is really trying to go for that. I mean, he's trying to invoke the Saturday night fever kind of vibe, right. With Travolta in that scene. Oh, unabashedly. Yes. Right. And it's just, and the soundtrack is so good. And the wallet with the stitching on it, that says bad mother Effer" And it's just, I don't know. It's got everything that is on the nose in the movie is rightly on the nose. And it's just so Tarantino Yeah. And I, again, One of the best openings in a movie with the diner scene. Oh, I just love it between those uh, Tim Roth and I don't know the actress's name, uh, but just that scene in the diner and it comes full circle at the end with Samuel Jackson's character and Travolta. It's just so good. And Travolta, I mean... Uh, Jackson has the best monologue in any film in that movie when he talks about uh, compares himself to a biblical character and being on this like spiritual journey or whatever. Yeah. it's it's so good. So I I really appreciate Pulp Fiction. I love the movie. That's my comfort food. Whenever I just want to watch a movie that I know I love, I watch that movie. I I watch it once a month usually, and it's my favorite Tarantino movie. Even though. All my movies are my favorite Tarantino movies. This is like the one movie I think that screams Tarantino. I think other—that's what I mean when I said I think it his was, later movies. His sixth sense, in the sense yeah. that it
1: let people know this is who Tarantino is. And I
0: think his later movies are just a bit more Hollywood. I haven't seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yet. I've heard it's—I heard it's a callback to Pulp Fiction in a lot of ways. But that so, could be why I like his newer work better. Yeah. is because it's it's more accessible. Um, and I like his newer work as equal like. I love his newer work. I love Django. Oh, Django's so good. Yeah. And Leo is amazing in it. And I love, uh, I even love Grindhouse. Like Death Proof is so good. And Kurt Russell's so good in Death Proof. And the whole car accident scene in that movie. And I love the scene where the girls are just talking around the table. And the camera just sits right in front of them. And it just like, boom, just like spins around them a little bit as Mm -hmm. they talk. It's just the way he films dialogue and... He's the one director that can bring suspense out of people talking, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so oh. I
1: I can respect Pulp Fiction. I get it. It's it's like for me when it comes to Tarantino, um, I go back and forth between Inglorious and uh, and Django okay. as my favorite, and uh, all my issue with with Tarantino actually isn't that different from my my uh, uh, feelings on um, not Tarantino, the other one. Sorry, Goodfellas director. Oh, Scorsese. Yeah, he'll have yeah. to cut that. <laughs> um, my 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 feelings of them are, are kind of similar in the sense that they feel that you can. It's fun to watch them in little little snippets in certain scenes, but I do feel some things kind of get drawn out a little more. But that's why I like his later works, and that's why I like Tarantino better than Scorsese. Yeah, I. Um, I, for me, Django's the best, almost specifically because there isn't that as much downtime of stuff, but this dialogue's still unbelievably cutting and fresh, and I think uh, I, I think Leo in that movie is second to none, Yeah, and it's probably his best performance, but I can respect pulp it's just never but what's funny is my parents watched that without me because i was a kid at the time and wasn't allowed to watch it and uh they finished watching it and said oh we hated that and then a few years ago a few years later when i finally did watch it i already had kind of that that f- foul taste in my mouth oh, okay. because of, yeah. of what they had said um so that very well could still uh, affect my view of that movie
0: and i love that movie's i think the theme of that movie is greed i think that movie is about greed and overindulgence and i just yeah when it comes to even drugs and money and with the fixing the boxing match and falling into that and wanting to know what's in the briefcase. So I love it. And Tarantino uses that and plays on the audience's expectations in a lot of clever ways. So that's my number three. So what is your number two? Number two, if I was doing the greatest
1: movies of all time and rating it that way rather than my favorite, this would be number one. Godfather Part Two. I think it's Francis Ford Coppola's masterpiece. I think this is the greatest... Forget the greatest Al Pacino performance of his career. I actually think he gets so hammy within about five years of this movie coming out. Yep. I think he becomes Absolutely. a parody of himself. Um, this is the greatest performance of his career, and it and ironically now I think it's probably my favorite performance of all time by any actor. Yeah, I it's really good. Thomas Michael it's really good in this. It's yeah. so understated. Yeah, there's so much hidden rage, and he the the amount he communicates with body
0: language yep. looks. Oh, his eyes are so steely. Even in the first movie, his eyes are just, just so like almost magnetic. Like yeah. they cut right through. And yeah, it's. He, I agree. The, it's I uh,
1: it, uh, um, De Niro as a young Vito, and them kind of paralleling each other, but ultimately ending up, even though they, they're going the same direction, um, their purposes behind, where one still has. Uh, I'm doing this for family. The other one, ultimately, is I'm doing this for myself. Um, that dichotomy is stark. It's striking. Mm. The visuals,
0: oh, the visuals of old New York City yep. are just wild. So um, Coppola is better. He's the best at invoking a time period. It's uh, it's yeah.
1: unbelievable. Um, the so many great perform. Uh, uh, Robert Duvall, as uh, as as Tom Hagen in this is. Yep. Uh, it's so funny because you cheer for Tom Hagen the whole time, even up to the end of, of the second of the second movie. Uh, but yet that scene where he effectively tricks the congressman into thinking he uh, slept with this prostitute and murdered her, um, he's actually smiling yeah. at this evil thing. He's uh, and and you're in in an instant the way Coppola communicates that even the people you think are good in this world, they're really not. Yeah, and I think that's yeah, really that's really funny. powerful. Um, and just the idea that. Um, once you start on a track, and it's very Breaking bad in this way, once you start compromising, once you start, you know, when we meet Michael in number one, he is the one member of his family that's going to go and serve the army and he comes home as, a, as an army hero. Yeah. And by the, time, uh, by the time we get to the end of the second film, he's murdered his own brother. And just this... It takes a little bit of compromise, a little bit of compromise, and before you know it, you're not even the person you, you no. recognize in the mirror anymore. And I think that's such a powerful story, and the acting is so unbelievable. Um, the, the character of Hyman Roth uh, is uh, – I think he was like an acting coach. He wasn't in a bunch of movies. Um, him – his dialogue with Al Pacino when they're just sitting in this little Miami home that seems like the middle of nowhere, and how Michael is—they're both playing games and talking past each other, uh, being brought in front of the the senators and and uh, being put on trial—and just everything about this movie is perfect. Al Pacino's performance is is my favorite ever it's He's, his best one. Oh, yeah. it's so good even the scene and i i the one negative thing about this movie uh is <laughs> diane keaton is k i don't particularly like her yeah. um but she's important and the, the scene where she tells michael that she's I had she it does an, a good job she does fine <sighs> i don't like her character anyways like, yeah maybe it's yeah. just she's so her unlikable character the sucks. character's so unlikable <laughs> um, but the scene where she says that she's had an abortion
0: yeah
1: is and his face Goodness gracious, just the rage in his face. Yeah, it's so good. And then everything that happens with Fredo of the yeah. I know it was you and the uh you don't harm him until mother's dead. Yeah. Just it's so good. Yeah, it's so it good. Is, I love it. Sorry. Yeah, it's so good.
0: <laughs> I could talk about so my movie for hours. <laughs> my number my number two is The Shining. So this is my favorite Kubrick film. Yeah. And this is the best horror film ever made. Okay. And it is a absolute bang on masterpiece it was not receivable at all when it came out because people didn't understand it and it wasn't for its time and i love it because stephen king is an overrated writer and this is the best version of the story (laughs) and king hates the shining because it's too good for his own good and the shining is (laughs) shots fired the shining is incredible it is just a masterpiece in filmmaking like if you want to talk about eerie and true fear and and just fear and and uh kind of like creepiness this movie encompasses all that with the mysterious room 237 with the reveal of that what's in that room with the long tracking shots of uh of uh danny danny in, uh, on, on the his, motorcycle uh, the toy yeah. bike uh going from room to room and the motif of a maze and the character of the hotel ensnaring this family and you know, getting its evil hooks into uh, Jack and this Mm -hmm. idea of getting lost in the maze, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just, oh, it's so good. Uh, So many, and I love the ending. The ending is just so ambiguous and it's just so kind of timely too. And I like that... um, it also has like a haunted house aspect of nature. And there's also subtle themes of alcoholism, sexual abuse, emotional abuse between a man and a woman, mm-hmm. and even between a man and his son. Yeah. And it's just so many undertones of, hey, this person is just a bad person. Mm-hmm. And this is what happens when you allow someone, when you don't hold someone accountable to what they are doing that is wrong, yeah. right? And so, and I love, my favorite scene is the ballroom scene in that movie where he goes into the ballroom and he's sitting at the counter and it's, he's at the heart of the hotel like that. It's this grand ballroom. And then he goes into the bathroom and it's all red and Mm. it's just, and the hotel has his grip, right? It has, you know, he's drinking, uh, he, or he has his alcohol in front of him and it just, it's, it's so good. I love, uh, Jack Nicholson. This is his best performance. I would say Mm. in any film and just over one flu. I would say so, and I think it uses One Flew Over Cuckoo's, Cuckoo's Nest really well. Yeah, because that's why he cast that had been him filmed in this role. That right? It was, yeah. yeah, and he he kind of wrote this movie for Jack Nicholson because of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, mm-hmm. and so Stanley Kubrick actually thinks this is a sequel to that character. Yeah, so that's what Kubrick has said. So, and I love how it starts with him being a seemingly normal person, right, and then again that long droning shot of going to the hotel and it feels like a maze and it's never ending. And yeah. so I just love that. I I love the character of the hotel. Shelly Duvall is underrated in this movie. She's fat. She's, she's fantastic. so good. I don't it. think this, yeah. I don't know if that, that movie works with any other actress no. in that role. Like, and it's, I just, my heart breaks for her in this movie. It, she packs such an emotional punch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I love the twist of the black character. I can't remember his name. The one who shines, just him getting killed with the axe. That's one of the best. It's it's one of the, it's, it's, it's one of the most frightening
1: film. scenes in any movie I've ever seen. And
0: just the buildup of him running into the hotel, and then he just gets bam, yep. just dies, and any hope the movie has dies with him. Yeah. And it's so full of dread, right? And I just, I love it. I love the imagery too of the ho- the of the hotel bleeding, the blood, you know, coming out of the hotel, the elevator doors, and coming through the hallway, and just. Just that idea that something is wrong and you can't, and that I, and the lighthouse has this theme too, but there's something in us and every person that can go wrong. Yeah. And we all have a little bit of Jack in us. Right. Yeah. And what's, what's it going to take for that to win over in the end? And that's what The Shining is about. Yeah. And uh it's, yeah, it's so good. I love it.
1: I, I mean it was hard not to put this one on my list. It came down to, ironically enough, that or science for me, and it just came down to which one do I actually enjoy watching? Because that was kind of the okay. that was the the criteria I was mainly using. Um, this is a better film. Uh, this is probably the, for me the scariest movie of all time. Yeah. And and because for me it's not about jump out scares. It's no. not about something really scary. It's it's as much uh, the tension. And the mood that's set. Yes. This 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 is a masterclass in setting dread. Much like there will be blood. This is a nightmare mm. on a film screen. Um, Jack Nicholson. I would agree. I, I actually I actually think this is his best performance too. And that's and I love him as Joker. I love him in One Flew. Yeah. I, I love him in, the in Departed. Departed is good. Yeah, yeah. Like there's lots of stuff I've seen him in that I love
0: him in. Uh, this is his. Uh, it's a really subtle Jack Nicholson performance. He's an until over the top. Not. He's an over. Well, he's an <laughs> over the top actor. Wendy. but but it's just but even in that in those moments it's just yeah i don't know like even with when he's chasing her up the stairs after she figured out that he's just writing uh that phrase or that his name over and over again i think it's his name right he he writes um what does he write over again what is
1: this uh all work and no play make jack yes boy yeah so it's just like
0: and that's all he's writing the whole time and and then even when he's like bouncing the tennis ball Right and throwing it against yeah. the wall. It's just like little subtle things that that's, just make you a little nervous. Because right? that's the
1: thing is, like he when he becomes unhinged, he's full Jack Nicholson. Yes, like I, I just want to bash your brains yes. in. Like he yeah. he really goes all out at that point. And when he's the, the here's Johnny, like he goes full Jack. Um, but it is he spends the first half of the movie not being like that, and and even like the the humanity in the moment of when when he's writing on the typewriter and she comes in and and disrupts him?
0: Yes absolutely that sense of <laughs> anger Have you ever I mean because here's the thing
1: it's one of those moments in a movie Happen, where it happens in marriage all the time. Okay, it, yeah. marriage all the time and just in it's life a very when, human you're, when you're when you're because you know that you know this as someone yeah. you, you've written sermons before you write papers, you write stuff um, when someone distracts you, it's not just okay now I'm gonna spend 10, 20, 30 minutes talking to that person. I now have to spend after they they've left another half hour kind of getting back to where I was. Yeah. And so the understanding of that's where he's Getting at in that moment, he's that. so frustrated in that moment. <laughs> and so that's what's actually brilliant about this role is he is a bad person. Yeah. He murders, he tries to murder his own family. He's an alcoholic that there is hints that he's abused his family. Yeah, um, But there's also these real human moments. And the truth about alcoholism, like like any addiction, is if you're not careful, if you open yourself up to that, it leads you down a maze that leads to insanity and death. Yes. and that's that's part. That's probably the most overarching message of the movie. Put aside all the and stuff. It, and that the, theme is whatever. found
0: in the hotel because the hotel is this. It's really grand. It's really big. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's old architecture that's really rock solid and character driven. Yeah. and and then deep down, the hotel is ensnaring people in certain times yes. and moments. So the, the, it's the, the same theme of it's the same. Some, same theme as that alcoholism, like it's a slippery slope. Absolutely, right? yeah. ja- Jack's not the
1: only monster in this movie. The hotel no. is the other monster, yeah. and and the ghosts and the. Let me ask you this: I have I have one issue with this movie. As the the, the end is unfolding. And it's just dread. It's terror. It's it's the other shining guy gets murdered. They're running through the maze. All this. Uh, I think it's Shelley Duvall that's running after she's went to that room or whatever. And she gets to, I don't know if it's the bar or whatever it is, and looks inside. And suddenly it's cobwebs and skeletons. Yes. yeah. I hate that scene. It so takes me <laughs> out of it. It's so traditional haunted house where everything else is just dread. Yeah. I, I like it literally that's part of why it's not on this list is that scene to me is so poor. Do, oh, wow. Do you have a defense of that scene? Uh, I think it's I think what's happening like there what's Cooper doing there. I don't yeah, every
0: one of his shots in that movie is so pointed that that one just feels so to me out of place. I think that's just a hotel becoming unhinged like Jack. I think that's a hotel okay, kind enough. of losing its mind tell it's revealing all of the sins of the family. Right. And you're letting your son live with this guy. Yeah. I think that's what's happening in that moment. And and she is a very gothic looking character. And she's even a bit macabre at the beginning when she's well, talking she about is. certain things like things she likes to watch. So I think the hotel is using that against her in that moment. Interesting. Because it's a very macabre scene. It's a very gothic very. haunted house scene. But that's and why I, I don't like I it. I think it that's why so out of that's, place, it's but. revealing itself to her and it freaks her out. That's and it, just like it revealed itself to Jack yeah. in the ballroom scene, but he liked it. Right. So that's the dichotomy.
1: Between Interesting. The okay. Yeah. I'd
0: never thought of it that way. I still wish you could just edit that one scene out. Uh, I, I agree. It like doesn't it. really fit. I think it, I think for me it fits because it's in a very manic moment mm. and it just seems unhinged. So I think that's why it works for me, but it doesn't fit with the rest of the movie. No. Um, but I think it's, I think that's on purpose because it's a, a Duval. It's a, his wife's, it's through the lens of his wife, which the whole movie is through his lens, right? So mm-hmm. and and Danny's. So I think it's the one moment that shifts to her, yeah. and then that's why it feels a little bit just dis- disjointed. Yeah, and I think it's. I don't think it is disjointed. I think it just feels that way because it's not. The rest of the movie isn't like that. Yeah. So what's your number one? Oh, it's Jaws. Jaws. Jaws is my number Anything one. Anything else you want to add to that? Not really. Just
1: uh, I think it's a perfect movie. I think it's the greatest blockbuster of all time. Yeah. I think it inspired everything we have that's good about movies now. I think it brought about a little bit that's bad because it was just so successful. Um, lots of re- remakes or lots of
0: copies. Lots of copycats, copies, all that kind of stuff. But Jaws 3. Uh, perfect casting,
1: <laughs> perfect uh, uh, score, uh, perfect everything. Yeah. I, everything about that movie I love.
0: My number one is The Godfather. And I,
1: and yeah. here's the thing I was. It's, I I like I love it.
0: I I agree it, with you. I think number two is a masterpiece, right? Yeah. Um. And I. Uh, I just think. You know what else? I just thought about this too. Like it's so sad that the Lord of the Rings didn't make it on my list. Those movies. Are yeah, they fun.
1: are good. But I know. Anyways, I, I thought about them too.
0: Anyways, the Godfather is incredible. It's I rewatched it recently. It is spellbinding. It's oh, like it's one clever scene after another and it's even the scene from the intro where it's the romanticized everyday life of the mobster family wedding right Mm -hmm. i love that opening and it it feels like you're with the family right and then you meet michael and he's a war hero and i love the subtle twist in that movie that it was the dad's plan that michael was the war hero so they could get power into the into the White House eventually. Like, I love that. It's very sinister. And it's... I also love this... I love... I like character arcs that change... Where people change, obviously. You can Mm -hmm. tell. Oh, yeah. So that's why I picked The Godfather over number two. Because even though they're both masterpieces and they're both 10 out of 10s, uh, I just love Michael's turn from... Even with him ignoring Kay Mm -hmm. and then getting married to that other girl in Italy. And then she dies. And just, like... The, the reach of the mob yeah. across co- across continents, right. And how powerful the mob really is. And yeah. it's just, it's just captures New York so well in that time period. It just feels like a living, breathing diorama of that yeah. time period. And I, I can't even, they like recreated streets. Like they built street sets, full street sets, and they redid the fronts of the buildings in in New York. It's unreal. Yeah how they filmed this movie. And it's just, it definitely stands the test of time. Uh, And I think it's Al Pacino's second best, if not best. I think both these movies, I treat them as one movie, Mm -hmm. like Kill Bill one and two. They really are. And And I, I think it's Al Pacino's best performance of all time. And I love seeing him turn into that gangster at the end of the movie. It's so good. And even that, even I love the idea of hallways in this movie. There's lots of hallways. So lots of looking out hallways. When he's in the hospital and no one's guarding his dad and he's running up those hallways uh-huh. and it's manic and it's, it's just Robert Duvall is so good. James Kahn is so good. Uh, this might be James Conn, my favorite. It's probably. his best movie, I would say. Yeah. Better than Casino. Yeah, it's. But is it better than Elf? I don't know. He plays the same character, I would say. He well, he's a little less, uh, a little less angry. Um, he is pretty angry in this movie, but it's just, and even like the idea of like don't cross the family. Like it's, oh, it's I awesome. Love it. I, I, so, I good. so.
1: Like for me, like if I was to redo the list with with your, um, what do you call it? Uh, just the same reasoning behind your stuff. Yeah. Um,
0: so if you're gonna do the same list, yeah. Sorry. If I was gonna do the same list,
1: uh, I would put. Uh, Godfather Two is number one. Godfather is number two, and then Jaws. Yeah, like, it was, yeah.
0: Uh, but it's
1: it's two issues. The one of you only have ten spots, um, yes. and I want to put my favorites and I didn't, on it. I didn't want to do like, like sequels. I also yeah, yeah. took
0: Barry Lyndon off because I didn't want three Cooper films on there. Yeah, even though I love Barry Lyndon. So, yeah. Yeah. but
1: I'll tell you what I love about Godfather, and also what separates why I like Godfather Two better. Um, I think there's there's a few issues in Godfather. Number one, uh, the Don, uh, played by um,
0: Oh goodness. Like Marlon Brando.
1: Marlon Brando. Yeah. I think he he casts such a large shadow over the entire picture, uh, that it actually it kind of for me takes away from oh, everything really? that Al Pacino's doing in that movie. And Al Pacino's performance in the second movie. I one just is so much love
0: better. him and Pacino together. I love seeing those they are really fun I love seeing they're... those two characters together. Yes. And even the father-son moments near yeah. the end of the movie are just or that middle, that third act yeah. are just so strong. Like that idea that no son. Like it, you were always a part of the family. Like it was my plan for you to be in the White House and yeah, to yeah. have that power. Right? Oh, it's, it's so it's just like stuff, and then uh, it's just like I just love. That's why I picked one over two. Yeah, because I love seeing those two together. See, and
1: and yeah. one has kind of the more memorable scenes. Uh, so the 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 head in the bed. Yeah. The, the head of the horse in the bed the whole sequence where the other mob is coming to kill uh, yep. Don Corleone in the thing which by the way uh, there's so much the solo- baptism
0: scene oh. is that what you're talking about
1: no no where uh, Don Corleone he's been shot he's now in the hospital and then Michael goes and realizes oh, yeah. none of the guards they've all been paid off to leave him yeah. and so Michael goes down with the driver and when a car pulls up full of gangsters they put their hand in their coat yep. like they've got a gun and uh, then the, they, they drive, drive off and then the other guy pees himself because he's so scared so good and the subtlety of just put your hand in your thing it's like the other brilliant scene in that movie is when he murders the the cop and the judge uh when when al pacino goes to the italian thing Uh, he goes into the bathroom and there's a moment where he reaches up around the uh the the toilet thing and most directors and most movies he reaches up gets the gun from where he's told and it's already been established it's going to be that's not what francis ford coppola does there it's not what al pacino does there no he looks for it. And yeah. for a moment, as you're watching that first time, you think, oh, they didn't put the gun. The yeah. gun's not there. And you start to freak out. Like, those are the brilliant things that that movie does, that Godfather 2 does as well, yeah. that
0: most movies don't have the foresight to do. And it pulls so much more well, out of an and, audience. And when they kill Polly, that scene is so good. Like, oh, the, camera, the camera pulls out. Leave the gun, take the cannoli. It's behind, <laughs> yeah, it's behind yeah. Lady, Lady of Liberty and the grass. It's yeah. just, yeah. It's that, my number one.
1: But my, my, the other, but there's just a few parts that, that pull me out of it. Uh, the guy that plays the singer is so bad. Um, that, that's kind of flat. Tommy. Tommy is yeah. so bad. The fight scene between the the um, the daughters husband and sonny where he beats him to a pulp outside okay it's got to be one of the dumbest looking fight scenes where he's missing him by a full foot um there's okay. just there's a few moments where attention to detail isn't as strong as it is in the sequel mm-hmm. and uh, those are just a few things that that separate it but my goodness the the those the two bat- movies
0: those two movies are just amazing well in the yeah.
1: baptismal scene where everyone's getting killed kind oh. of one after the other and then they go and um not clemenza but the other one um, where they tell him basically we know that you were the one that betrayed and uh, just his look of, yeah, I got caught. Like there's yeah. so much communicated in this movie and just looks and just the way the camera is tilted. And that's what is brilliant about both of these films is so much is communicated by what is not said. Yeah. And that's a tough thing to capture on camera.
0: So that was our list. That was our top 10 movies of all time. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. I think... In the future, we might do a few more spinoffs where we go into one movie really deeply. Yeah. And we're just talking about that off the air. But uh, let us know. You can go to our website, com and you can email in what your favorite movies are. And it'd be fun to see some of your lists, even if it was five movies or whatever. And then we can maybe read those on air. Uh, But have a great day, Brad. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. And everyone, thanks for listening. And we'll... uh,